prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report for today. It is Thursday, January 28th, 2016. And we're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania where we're heard live weeknights, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, of course, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Folks, we're also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. Great company. And you can watch us live via our YouTube channel. Just simply go to hagmanandhagman.com there. Bing, you should see us right there in full living color. Don't adjust your sets. We're blurry normally. That's all right, um, because we are blurred. Everything looks like noodles. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm Tug Hagman at the helm. Fellow investigator, fellow researcher, my son Joe Hagman together. And we're a thing like I like to call uh, the Hagman Hagman Report, the uh, America's premier father-son investigative team. And uh, you know why we dig deep into the uh, into the issues of the captured mass media won't, the Illuminati-controlled mass media. And, you know, we say that. And uh, Well, you know what? Um uh, it's true. It's true. It's just the way it is. Uh, yeah. While the while the mainstream media is going to be um, digging deep into the debates tonight, okay. So you know, what what, what are you going to get out of it? Seriously, what what are we going to get out of this? And and what do you make, by the way? And we we're going to touch on the debates too tonight. Uh, but what do you make about uh, uh, Trump not not taking part in the debate? Of course, Reagan didn't. Right. Do that back in 80. So, you know, it's just for what it's worth. Folks, uh, before we get into tonight's program, I want to remind everyone that portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by, well, nuts.com. Did you think he wasn't going to say anything else? Nuts.com. What a great website. Nuts.com. Our microphone code HH. Go to nuts.com, folks, and replace your order. New customers. Oh, if you're a new customer, have we got a great deal for you? New customers, what do you get? You get four free samples out of 50 to choose from your options there. $15 value when you go to nuts.com. Click the mic box and enter our code HH. You know, oh, and I should also mention portions of the nice broadcast also brought to you by Whole Tones. WholeTonesLive.com. WholeTonesLive.com. That's W H O L T Tones. WholeTonesLive.com. They've got some fantastic audio music to heal by, to, to relieve your stress by. Try it. I mean, really try it. You're going to be amazed at, uh, at, at the results. That's WholeTonesLive.com. All right, folks. Uh, welcome to the night's program. Have a lot to discuss. Last night's program was, a, I, th- I thought it was great. We had a lot of emails about it, and uh, good and bad, saying, well, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that that, uh, that we are doing. And, of course, we will get the constitutional lawyer. We, we've heard so much about, okay, Ms. Hall on. We'll get, we'll get her on um, to talk about this. We understand that there's, there's constitutional issues here, of course, at the core, but that's not what we were really referencing we understand that the larger we're looking at the larger picture here and the larger picture of course comes in um how we're being gamed 
the plain and simple how we are being manipulated, how public perception is being manipulated through, and this is something I'm going to talk about here momentarily, but how things are being uh, uh, manipulated through the media. Uh, Joe, hey. How's it going? I don't know. You tell me. You know what? I was, I'll was. i tell you what. We. Uh, I just want to give a shout-out to the Bay City Rollers. Remember them? God bless you. The night Chicago died, man. do 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 Remember that? Are you, are you young enough to remember that? Old enough to remember that, I should say. The night Chicago died. Oh, what a night it was. Um, and uh, yeah. before we yes. get started, yes. just quick announcements. I know you got a few. Dave Hodges will be with us an hour and a half. There you three. go. A big fan of the Bay City Rollers, shall we say. Yeah, we're going to The duck get flies his. at midnight. <laughs> the duck flies at midnight. The hen is in the nest. I repeat, the hen is in the nest. Oh. Operation Drown Out the Rat is a go. <laughs> For those of you listening who have no idea what we're talking about. We don't either. It's an inside we, joke of we, sorts. We, we don't either. You know, it, it's, it's, some, some days you wake up and, and you think, you know, it just, I don't know. Some days you just wake up and think, how much crazier can life get? But anyway, and you, you know what, folks, it's, uh, it's just great that you, uh, it's great to have you guys with us. It really is. Go ahead, Joe. No, I, I made my announcements. I know you got a few. Um, well, yeah. And, and you know, this has, in, in all seriousness, not, now I'm switching to a serious no, uh, mode here, just in case you're, you're wondering. And if you're wondering what that was all about, I just, we're just making fun. Uh, it, it's just, it's just fun. You know, it's just people say things and do things. And it, it's just, it's just hilarious. You know, it, it, it just never ceases to amaze me. What a, what a, what a, what a sewage pit that the internet can be. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know. So and it is. I mean, yeah. And we won't get into that any further. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I got to tell you something about last night and about everything taking place. This includes now, folks. I I want to talk to you too. This uh, this includes the debates tonight. This includes the uh, Oregon standoff. This includes all of the issues that we've been that we that we talk about all of the important issues and it's it's something that uh that ladies and gentlemen we uh we do talk about the the bigger picture we talk about a view from thirty five thousand feet we talk about a view from space and we talk about the psychological manipulation of society and this is what we're seeing and and you know it's very simple for people to tune into any youtube broadcast and anyone can sit there and read the news or you know, say things, and and it, it, it's great. That's great. I mean, we need we need all the information warriors that we can. We need them out there. We need that. We need people to do that. Okay, but we need to also look at the larger picture. And this is something here that that we're seeing techniques for psychological manipulation of society right now being employed against all of us. Let's look at the bigger picture here. And this, by the way, this tactic is as old as humans themselves. Uh, it, in history, historically speaking, feudal lords to preserve and consolidate their power forever have used punishment and torture as dissuasive agents of change. Now, what that means, okay, um, is trauma-based mind control, basically. Thousands of years ago, it, it was it was not done through. Well, it was it was. The application of this kind of thing was was done in a um, well, 
in the manner that you know of the times. I, I'm not going to get into that, but what we have to look at is our consciousness, our perception is being manipulated. And I know you've heard this before, but I, I just want to get a little bit deeper into this because it's so important for us to understand the first real massive um, application of psychology as a conscious weapon took place in Nazi Germany especially when it came to eugenics which really played upon the most uh, obtuse Aryan illusions held held by and imposed on portions of, of the masses now while the cause and developments of Nazi concentration camps the butchers of, of the National Socialists stemmed wholly from the world economic collapse Eugenics, it was devised by the Nazis' favorite th- technicians, the psychiatrists, okay? Here's what I'm trying to say by, by saying that. I- everything we're seeing today, the mass man- manipulation of the news, it's not just what the news reports, it's what the news doesn't report, what they choose not to report. And uh, interesting story on that, we'll get into this later, but uh, an article came out, 10 publishers account for half of all online news. Now, now, there you go. Now, now, listen to that. And that's kind of like what we see with the, the cable TV and, and uh, world of movies where you have six companies, six major corporations uh, that own all the press, whether it's newspapers, magazines, and or um, cable TV news. <clears throat> that's right. Or network news. Yeah. You know, we, we, we really have to, uh, we really have to understand that, uh, what what has happened since nineteen really nineteen eighty five? But I mean, this has been long in progress. But really, since in earnest since nineteen eighty five, is you had you you have a consolidation of all of the media conglomerates. And why is that? Because it's much much easier to control six people, six outlets, than it is to control six hundred. It's just simple math. So obviously, you've got this you've got this need to to uh, throttle the information. So online publishers included. And what we mentioned yesterday is everything and everyone, uh, I, I dare say, it, the larger entities and companies have in corporate, um, um, yeah, corporate entities, that, that news entities, folks, they have been infiltrated by agents of our government. And see... Joe, you said something to me earlier, and, and I'm going to springboard off of what you said, but you said something to me. You walked in my office and you said, what? Um, not, uh, this is not to cast aspersions on anybody or anything, but I just want to throw this out there about this Bundy standoff that you said to me, and I want everyone to think article. carefully about it, okay? Hey, let me read the article here. And uh, um, again, this is not to... It's from the LA Times. Okay, and it's not to, it's not to cast any aspersions or not, not to, certainly not to take umbrage with anybody or anything, but listen carefully to this one statement. And then, ladies and gentlemen, you as a, as a, every one of you as a rational, sensible human being, you think about this after Joe, Joe states this. Go ahead. The title of the story is, Where Was the FBI During the Arms Standoff in Oregon? Out of Sight But Listening and Watching. And it goes on to explain, as the armed occupation at the uh, refuge in Oregon dragged on for most of January, local law enforcement was spread thin and federal agents were nowhere to be seen. Uh, Behind the quiet facade, however, the FBI was running surveillance on the occupation and recording the activists' public statements, mostly drawn from media reports, 
and activist use of social media. And it goes on to say in the article, there was this statement, which kind of uh, was what I came in and read right, to you. Right. Um, Go ahead. A significant amount of the FBI's information used to charge Ammon Bundy came from an activist named Pete Santilli, who was living inside the refuge and broadcasting his live conversations with fellow activists. Stop. Okay. Say that one more time. This is from the L.A. Times. Say this mm-hmm. one more time. A significant amount of the FBI's information used to charge Ammon Bundy came from an activist named Pete Santilli, who was living inside the refuge and broadcasting live his conversations with fellow activists. Now, okay. Now, I don't believe this as a. Uh, that's not meant to say that he was cooperating, right? right. And, and however, now, wow. There's a couple but of different directions the, we could take this, but and I also wonder uh, if this wasn't told to the editor or author of this piece to be put in there. I wonder. Yeah, you know, look, I, I don't I, to, to just for the record to be clear, I don't know Pete Santilli. Uh, I, I, you know, he has issues with me. I've got issues with him. We've got issues with each other, but but I don't care, and he doesn't care. It it, it is what it is. So what? Okay, um, well, you know. I don't really care. Um, however, I don't care if, if that would be... Just insert another name as far as a journalist. Put John, Again, like I said yesterday, Howard K. Smith. Okay? Again, you have to be old to remember. But um, Would that make you look differently at, at the embedded journalist, whether it's establishment or alternative media well they say the uh, they go on to say in the article a conspiracy charge in federal court does not require the underlying offense to take place so prosecutors can charge the defendants based on their statements without proving they actually committed a crime that is where Santilli's broadcasts are proved to be useful to the FBI okay well you know and again it, it's it seems like a couple of things can apply here no good deed goes unpunished or um the weapons, you know, that be, because we are in an information war, we are trying to get information out to the public. And, and I do believe Santelli did a good service with respect to updating people w- w- with what was going on. I, I have to give him credit. Now, was that used? And, of course, that information was used. I, I wouldn't even pose that as a question. That information was used uh, as the basis of, of, uh, of, of evidence, shall we say collected by the federal government against the occupiers and against the, the people there, um, against the patriots. Was it done deliberately? I don't believe so. Was it done in good faith? Yeah, I, I truly believe it was. But but my question is, okay, um, was it the time or the place? And I guess it's a moot point anyway. But I, I thought that was very interesting because aside from that, now this is totally without, I'm, let's let's I'm going to make it clear. I'm not talking about anyone now. I do believe that the individuals at that at that compound were infiltrated. They were heavily infiltrated by agent provocateurs, mm-hmm. and I believe that that because of that, number one and number two, the uh, the the narrative being controlled. I believe that there were that the Patriot movement had an issue, issues, multiple issues. Now we got a lot of emails about this. And people saying, you know, you're uh, good, bad, and ugly, okay? I mean, uh, with respect to the emails. Um, I'll just go over a couple real quick here. Um, 
And there's yeah, a few emails you know, that, that I, I, bring I up. had them up here, but go ahead. There's a few emails that bring up um, an, an issue that I see on Steve Quayle's site. And let me go to the story. It has to do with the talent scout paper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh boy, you want to open? Which that I haven't up. seen the video. I, I just want to address it because I know we got several yeah. emails on it. No, and and I know exactly and what what you're it, talking about. It didn't bother me except for the fact of shouldn't they just said release? That's the only thing that bothers me is the wording. Well, okay. Because we're shooting a documentary. Right. And what, look, anytime you appear, and, and, and anyone who's ever appeared on television knows this, except for newscasts, all right, if you're going to appear on a documentary, mainstream documentary, or just documentary period, um, you got to sign a couple of different papers. And one is a talent release. If, if you're going to be featured in the video in any significant... Okay, I, I should... Should go back if you're not a member of the Screen Actors Guild. Okay, um, you would you will be all right because you you apply and then if you have a talking part in a movie or a documentary and if you have a talking part in the documentary and you're a member of the Screen Actors Guild, then they have to pay you at a certain rate. If you are uh, a member or a member of the Screen Actors Guild and you don't have a talking part in the documentary or a movie or film, whatever. Then they don't have to pay you the same rate as somebody who talks. I know that, that could be as much as a hello, okay. And I'm simplifying a complicated contract. And if and um, so, so you will out of out of an abundance of caution, if someone is on a set that's not scheduled to talk and they talk, well, that's really not a good thing. I mean, they're they're in violation of the contract, but they will send out give releases to people. To uh, to sign in the event that uh, um so so the people can't come back and say hey you owe me money okay that's all that is I mean not not that but that's all the talent releases are in general now I'm not applying that to this case with the the headline but I'm just saying this is how the the, the business works not that I really know from firsthand okay because well I, I guess I do I've, I've been had you know I've had enough papers shut in front of me for different things like that, but uh, that's kind of the long and short of it. So, you know, anyway. All right. Um, so, did, did I, did you finish or did I, did I mess you up? No, you're good. Okay. You're good. All right. So anyway, here's, and I know people are, are wanting to go and, and listen to the debates and go for it because look, you can catch our broadcast and archive. We're not, you know, they're not going to hurt our feelings. Well, you know, don't, don't, don't. Trump isn't going to be there, so I don't know how much attention that's really going to get. I, well, you know, Cruz, and, and we we want to address this later because Ted Cruz there, or Tom Cruz, <laughs> kidding again. Uh, no, Ted Cruz is is going to is uh, going to be taking center stage, and and you know, again, the the elephant in the room here, and, and uh, is no one going to talk about his eligibility? I know that this has been been foisted out there by individuals, oh, of by course not. people. Of but, course not. But, but are any of the people in the, in the no. media going to talk about this? No. Aside from maybe um, Butch, um, what's her name? Maddow. Never mind. Uh, I don't Rachel see Maddow. anybody talking about the eligibility. Um, because if they address the eligibility issue now, they're going to have to also acknowledge. I mean, I think the well, how the media turned against the quote-unquote birthers in the uh, Obama issue 
is carrying over to the cruise issue. Well, see, they made, and they they don't made want a big, they made a big deal about McCain, though, Joe. Well, that was for, I, I think that was to rub it in the face of birthers uh, and people who who knew the truth. Uh, Perhaps but they, they were not going to get their their the way, or their the laws were not going to be enforced, and are out the window. And the um, GOP establishment, from the uh, top leaders down to uh, the mouthpiece, which is Fox News, has completely, you know just railed Trump this whole election cycle, whether it's for show and theater or whether it's serious. I don't know, but um, they make it seem like it is the worst thing that could happen to their party is to have Donald Trump as the the nominee of the Republican Party for this election. Right. So whether that's real or not, I don't know. I mean, even so much so that yesterday Rush Limbaugh called Fox News a liberal MSNBC-type cesspool uh, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> you gotta love the candor. Right? Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting to see what what's going on. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's a, a free for all. Oh, a divide indeed, and and this is being cultivated again. This goes to the psychology of what we're seeing, and there's the the, the one thing that the the Tavistockian structure loves, the, the Luciferian love, is the divisiveness. And it doesn't matter how big or how small that divisiveness is, the bigger the better. And we saw this happen back in the 1960s. We saw this, the 1960s, the SDS, the Weathermen, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, students for, Demo- uh, the students, Democratic Socialists, the SDS, and the Weathermen were, were the, uh, were the, you know, flower children and the protesters in the streets. They were the, uh, what was that, uh, Occupy Wall Street of the 60s, basically, except, with bombs and, 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 you know, bongs, bongs and bombs, probably. Um, but, but they, you know, that was funneled and fueled by the CIA, okay? And people don't understand this. People don't realize this, that, that, uh, that the people that were engaged back in the 1960s, the flower children of the 60s, the people at Woodstock, and we have gone over this and over this, they were all, um, facilitated by the CIA. And you think, how is this even possible? Well, it is. And if you, if you get into the study history, you can see how, how, how it all came about. Um, and I've got a very interesting, uh, I'm going to be writing some things here about, uh, uh, something very interesting caught my eye. And, and is it this, uh, House Representatives Bill, House Resolution 569, which is, uh, entitled, Condemning violence, bigotry, and hateful rhetoric towards Muslims in the United States. Uh, is or is that bill entitled to something, or is it just simply titled? No, this is. A, I got this from Steve's site. I haven't really looked so, at it. I, mean, I, mean, I guess what I'm asking is, um, is there an entitlement involved, or is it just titled? You're not. You're I'm not understanding. No, no, no. I just. I, I have a. I have a. Uh, I got a real problem with with uh, anyone who says it's entitled. Although it's, that's becoming accepted. Oh, yeah, it's titled. it's titled. But, but see, no, seriously, I guess, I'll shut up now, you know. No, people hate when I, when I do well, that. Well, you're about but, to make a point. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, okay, so, here's what's taking place right now with the debates, with, with everything that we're seeing take place. When we, when we look up, you know, have this bigger view, uh, the, the, the psychiatrists, the, the psychiatrists have really become the the tools, or have have laid the foundation for this 
psychological manipulation that we are undergoing. Now, if you look at, if you go back, you look at the, um, the Nazi movement, the Nazi occult, the Nazis from the World War II, they, their favorite people in the whole world, aside from the witches, you know, and, and such, um, their favorite, uh, uh, technicians, if you will, were the psychiatrists. And, and since then, the science of the mind has been converted into the craft of mind destruction. You, you see, legitimate therapeutic approaches have given way to uh, behavior modifying pseudoscience in the name of aversion therapy. And what I mean by that is, um, well, this conversion of the mind science was shaped by war, the war of genocide waged by the by the uh, uh, global elite against the working class. It, it it comes back down to the Tavistock, the work of the Tavistock Institute. And, you, and, and, you, and you go ahead and throw. I'll let you right now go throw something at the computer because he said Tavistock again, and he's talking about Tavistock. And what is it? Is his mind just you know st- stuck in this one thing? But no, really. Um, in order to understand, really, and, and I'm being very serious about this, in order to understand what's taking place here, we need to understand who is setting us up, and who is setting us up are the. Are the um, United States assets working for Tavistock and the European assets working for Tavistock. So all assets of the West working for Tavistock. And but who's Tavistock and and who are the controllers? Well, this is where the, 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 the Tavistock is really the the, um, uh, the 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 Madison Avenue glo- uh, global elite arm of the global elite. Okay, these are the people who are. Um, well, the essential premise of the work of Tavistock is the premise that certain kinds of democratic institutions represent far more efficient instru- uh, instruments for, for example, fascist dictatorship. Because, as opposed to strictly authoritative, authoritative uh, models. And if I can jump in, this authoritarian is models. I'm sorry. Behind the that those people who you mentioned in these yes. institutions is the the uh, cults, the mystery religions that work dark black magic yes. in order to bring about the aspirations of their uh, evil plans and use these people as a way of implementing them. Well, and, and this this goes to the the issue in Oregon. Now, somebody had sent me, perhaps J.D. sent me this, I'm not sure, or a listener sent me this, or both. <clears throat> you know, there, there's an occult significance to Oregon, to, to the death of, of Finnegan, and the the situation in Oregon. Did you know? Okay, and and, and um, I, I I didn't bring my notes out of my office with. Well, maybe I did. Maybe they're on here. Stand by here. I believe it is. Uh, it's now Freedom Fighter Times. I believe it is. I just want to. I just want to give them credit um, to uh, cite them appropriately. I, I believe it's Freedom Fighter Times, and if, if not, I will correct it later during the program. But there's a YouTube out there where they make this Masonic connection to the Robert Burns uh, Ma- uh, Masonic Lodge Number 97, the Ammon Hunt, the Ammon, or yeah, Hammond's address of 979, just the numbers there, and, and a few other issues, and a few other uh, things that. Uh, 
that were really odd that include the weak. And Maria Canese, author of Prepare for Persecution, had sent me earlier, I think it was maybe last week, had sent me the satanic calendar of, of dates. Not that she follows it, but she's aware of it. Um, that uh, list the week of January 20 through the 27th, which is this week is listed as a grand uh, climax uh, blood sacrifice yeah. for Satan. Steve had some on yeah, his website. There you go, yes. As a matter of fact, Steve Quayle is, if you go to stevequayle.com and look down there, you, you'll see the this uh, satanic, uh, the headline that, that, that he gives the dates over. Yeah. But, but it's a link to the video I'm referring to. So very simply, go to stevequill.com and click on the link to the video. That uh, And I believe it links to, again, Freedom Fighter Times. So I, I gave him credit for the... Now, the first four minutes are... It, it's kind of a... You, you can fast-forward through like a lot of that. Really, the, the, the information starts at the five-minute mark. Um, and that's... See, that's Lady. She's Every time I mention... Uh, you know things like uh, satanic and stuff. She gets really upset. Now, brought her to the op or the uh, uh, office and uh, studios here, and uh, we actually get uh, EPS deliveries late about this time. So it's interesting. Just leave it by the door. Anyway, um, the uh, the message here is there's a, there's a connection between the grand, well, between this satanic calendar and the murder of this Finnicum. And it's interesting too. At the at the end of this the satanic week, Hitler, you know, on, on January thirtieth, for example, is the day that Hitler was named Chancellor of Germany, which he became the fascist, essentially dictator. There's a connection to the date January thirtieth, or a, a, perhaps a connection to that date, and uh, may, maybe something upcoming with the situation in Oregon as well. But certainly, most certainly, if not that connection as well, we could look at that as having a, perhaps a connection with the martial law bill that uh, uh, grants the unlimited authority of use of military assets in uh, by by the executive branch by Obama. So it's just a very interesting aspect that a lot of people might roll their eyes at and say, "Oh, this can't be." But remember, it's not important if you don't believe it it doesn't matter what you believe it matters what others believe that are involved in the process and and you know i i often liken it to somebody who is uh you know if somebody believes in uh i mean maybe your grandmother believed that uh, uh maybe she played bingo or your mother or your aunt or something you know and you know, did you ever see people play bingo and they got their little trinkets all in front of them you know, or, or you know, if somebody goes mm-hmm. to a sports event, they wear their same jersey because they believe it's good luck. Again, it doesn't matter. If it, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter what you believe. Yeah, it matters what they believe. So, uh, look at it from from all angles, and um, th- that's that's one of the things that that the, the satanic is now becoming. And Steve Quayle did this really. I, I think he he just threw his headline. He really made it made it clear that the satanic is coming more into into focus now, in in all things. And this is one of them. But with respect to the mind science, um, there there are, you know, the Tavistock, the Tavistock Institute is controlling the narrative, the models that we see, the CIA style brainwashing, the psychological uh, routes that uh, that we're following, that were really outlined back in 1945 by a guy by the name of John Rawlings Reese. Now, he was the 
grand master of psychological warfare counterinsurgency. And in a book by Daniel Estelin called Tavistock, the Tavistock Institute, um, Daniel Estelin talks about this John Rawlings Reese, the grand master of psychological warfare counterinsurgency and counterinsurgency itself, which is exactly what we're looking at when we talk about the larger picture here. Because the shaping of psychiatry by war, Reese calls for the development of psychiatric shock troops in order to develop methods of political control based on the based on driving the majority of the human population towards psychosis. And that's exactly what we see taking place. Okay. we Isn't that the way? I mean, isn't that what we see taking place? Do you have to get that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Turn the ring around. Yeah, okay. Um, Reese told a group back in 45 of Army psychiatrists that if we propose to come out in the open and attack the social and national problems of our day, and this is back then, then we must have shock troops, and these cannot be provided by psychiatric, uh, psychiatric or psychiatry based wholly in institutions. And now I'm quoting from, uh, I'm quoting from a book by, uh, John Rawlings Reese himself, okay? And th- this is connecting some dots here. So hold with me. I'm getting to, uh, I'm getting to the actual points here. But I, I would like you to, folks, I would like you to remember the name John Rawlings Reese, R-E-E-S-E. If you want to learn a little bit about what we're going through, um, and I stand corrected, by the way, that what I quoted from was the Tavistock Grin, the real CIA, the Rockefeller's fascist establishment. Establishment, I'm sorry. Uh, April 1974. But let me just say that again. What Reese was calling for was the development of these these uh, psychiatric shock troops in order to develop methods of political control based on driving the majority of the human population towards psychosis, meaning to say that he wanted to spread um, this uh, this confusion, mass confusion among the population, and of course, in so doing, back in forty five, again he, he said if we come out in the open and attack the social and national problems of our day, then we have to have these shock troops, or uh, then we must have shock troops, and these cannot be provided by psychiatry based wholly in institutions. We must have mobile teams of psychiatrists who are free to move around and to make contact with with local, uh, I'm sorry, with the local situation in their particular area. Now, what he's referring to here is, I mean, his logic is extremely clear. For true mental health, there's got to be a complete change of society along the lines of rational selection. He, he, in his book, um, he, he writes that many don't see reality this way, including most workers who believe that any method of selection is a mechanism by which the wicked capitalist aims to get more work out of the workers. Okay. Where this comes into play here, and it's, it might sound might sound almost like it's at the periphery of any argument that we, we might have, is this: um, in his worldview, anyone who engages engages, we'll say, in subversive activity, well, they should be classified as mentally ill in need of treatment. Or, or at the very least, they should be classified as an individual who themselves cannot see that they're mentally ill. 
Now, think about that, because this is exactly the the uh, mental health guidelines from the latest DSM, di- uh, the Diagnostic Manual for Psychiatry, that we're seeing being implemented against gun owners, patriots, and Christians. We're seeing it come into pa- come come to pass right now. All right, so. Um, and, and maybe that was a long way going about saying that uh, that we're seeing this uh, we're seeing this this mission to build a society where we treat people who become subversive politically or, or theologically, and by theologically subversive, I'm talking about fundamental, bucking against the church, for example, the the you know normal mainstream church the mega churches as needing psychiatric care and it is through Reese R-E-E-S in the Nazi model that this was built that today's construct was built why is this important you know why should we dig back that long ago I guess because, you know, Steve wrote his book about Empire Beneath the Ice, about the Nazis. That book has a lot of great information in there about the tactics and about the, about the information that, that it's just about what the Nazis did. And seriously, what they continue to do. They're still, they're still Nazis and, and, uh, I mean, hey, read, uh, Devil's chessboard about the Dulles uh, brothers. Okay, mm-hmm. mainstream is just about as mainstream as you can get, and, and you can see the the Nazi connections to today. But anyway, we are dealing in psychological warfare. We are victims, folks. You and I of psychological warfare. Uh, when we speak of psychological warfare, we're often speaking of ways to make the enemy afraid. And in order to do this, we must understand the enemy's psyche. What makes them love, what makes them hate, what makes them fight, what makes them run. They're studying us. Now, the enemy might be foreign or uh, domestic, or an army of men, or, or or just, you know, an enraged mass of, of workers. But in order to find an effective antidote, Tavistock and company need to understand uh, how this enemy will react under stress, meaning us. Will he fight harder? Will we fight harder? Or simply surrender? And and see every situation over the last decade, two decades, three decades, well, going back to 40 in the you know, mid-20th century, the, the we have been studied, our reactions have been studied. So when we, when this applies, when, when I saw this in Daniel Estelin's book um, about the Tavistock Institute, I thought, my goodness, this is, I mean, this, you could apply this to the, to the, uh, the Bundy Ranch and the Bundy, well, I'm sorry, the, uh, uh, Mulhure or Oregon, uh, standoff as well as the Bundy Ranch. They are learning from us. So what, what is taking place here is the people in, in charge, the power brokers are using psychological warfare. They are learning what makes makes us afraid. They are learning uh, what makes us love, what makes us hate, what makes us fight, what makes us run. They are learning how we respond, and they are working toward a very effective response 
and in so doing, managing the public relations aspect of 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 a, the situation, and how well. And if you if you look, if you, if you just go back to the BLM standoff in Nevada last year, and look at the the Mulhir, uh, Oregon standoff this year, you see a difference. You see a difference in the perception. Do you think? I believe that they have learned because, to me, the government, the BLM, had a real black eye from that. Uh, they, they suffered a, kind of a, a defeat. Joe, and, and tell me if I'm wrong. When when the when the BLM and the FBI and the government backed off Nevada, did they not suffer a uh, kind of a humiliating defeat in the eyes of the public? Wasn't that kind of a PR nightmare? Yes, it was. Okay, so they. I guess what I'm saying is they learned from their mistakes, and have employed everything that they learned into the situation today. No, you're exactly right, and this goes for you know uh, governments. This goes for you know we talk about the secret societies and the, the the globalists and their agendas and how they implement their agendas, and it is through trial and error. You know the reason we have the constitutional republic in america and have had the most uh, successful and wealthiest nation in the history of the world is not by accident it is by careful calculation and planning after trial and error of other systems of government and what works best to further accomplish their end game object objectives okay all right well, that, that's yeah, and, and I think I think that the the larger game again is shaping the reality, is shaping the perception, and, and that's what I want because I received a lot of <coughs> excuse me a lot of emails saying, well, you know, um, uh, for example, Pete Santilli as a, as an embedded journalist, and I use that only because that's the only that's the best way I can describe him. There uh, was the only one getting the story out. All right. Um, the media, the mainstream media wasn't covering it. Uh, other journalists weren't covering it. Of course, no one was inside or, you know, no one had the inside track in there. So, um, uh, well, it's it just, but, but again, the narrative was, you know, was not necessarily effectively disseminated. And that's nothing against anyone there. It's just, it's more of an, of an indictment against the mainstream media. And even some of the alternative media, and, uh, and I'll take, I'll even take some blame for that too, uh, because we could have been a lot more proactive initially. Uh, but anyway, but see, the, the 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 bottom line with all this is, it doesn't matter what situation we're seeing, and certainly this applies to the political debates. This applies to anything that that happens now as a consequence of that that. Uh, what happened in Oregon? Let's say that there's an event that takes place at a federal building in response, much like 1995. Uh, do you think that they? I mean, do you, first of all, do you think that's possible? I do. Um, do you think it will be a false flag? And I personally think it would be. Um, but they're going to use this as a uh, as a springboard in order to clamp down on our guns. Certainly, clamp down on our on. on well, let me back up and say this, restate this. They would use any type of an event like this to manage the public perception of patriot and militia groups in order to turn the tide of public opinion against the patriots and the constitutionalists to effectively facilitate a gun grab uh, or justify a gun grab, gun confiscation scenario, and also to vilify us and even 
so in so doing, not just to vilify us, but to but to name us, and we've seen this happen in in papers and by the DHS and by law enforcement as complicit in um, complicit in uh, um, what would you call it uh, subverting the con- or subverting the government political d- dissent criminalizing it. So this is where it comes from, and once you understand the the, the deeper psychological ties and how the Nazis perfected this, and how the fascists perfected this, and how psychiatrists are today being used. And Joe, you're the, of all the people I've seen do research, I have to give you give a lot of credit to you for uh, for your research into the psychiatric aspect of this uh, of, of healthcare, where now the psychiatrists and doctors are asking certain questions. And we are put, being put into databases based on our responses to certain questions. It doesn't even have to be psychiatrists anymore. It could be your regular PCP, your uh, oh, yeah. personal it, care physician. And it's actually gotten worse. Um, there is an article, and I thought I saved it. Oh, here it is. A new government task force calls for screening of every adult pregnant women for depression. Yep. And this yeah. is a new recommendation there released go. by the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, a governmental advisory group that is now recommending all adults be routinely screened for depression as part of their health care. Right. And it's almost as if when you go to the doctor, and folks, if you do go to regular physicians, you're going to notice, and if you haven't already noticed, a change, maybe with the beginning of the year, uh, where you're going to be asked questions, for example, about your your state of mind. And it's it used to be, I mean, it, the questions were gradual. Um, the invasiveness of the questions have been gradual. But I noticed a marked change in, in my own uh, physician's office. Now the questions are much more invasive, and they're asking, are, are you depressed? Have you had any occasions lately of... Um, uh, of feeling um, stressed, stressed, and, and and even suicidal, and then the questions—it's almost like they're going off of a flow chart. And the reason, again, the reason we bring we this up the, is because the, it's do you have any guns? Used, oh yes, yes, they they have to ask. Do you have any firearms at home? Yeah, it's up to you how you answer that. Yeah. Okay. I you know uh, it. None of your business would be comes to mind, okay? But it's up to you how you answer that. But but certainly, I would not uh, feel obligated to answer any questions like that personally, me personally. But then you know, I'm just a I'm just a Bay City roller, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just uh just a, you know. So maybe they'll ask if we have any yellow cake. I you know I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's again that's an inside joke. But 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 seriously, you get back to the serious nature of this. We're seeing the public perception molded by television, by radio, by television and by the mainstream, or by mainstream television, by television and through films and movies, but also by the big names in the talk show industry. Okay, that's that's one more. We know about movies, we know about uh, television, we know about newscasts, but now it's even more... It's been even more uh, evident now with the big names and talk shows, and the reason is, it's, of course, this is a politi- time of you know this is a, po- a political time of year, political season. But the reason is, there is a necessity in order a necessity by the powers that that govern our perception of things to increase the and, and kind of 
put the pedal to the metal because time is running short. Obama only has, what, several more months, eight, nine months before he ha- he's going to be out the door. We'll be out the door in on January 20th of next year. So he's got a year. Just, he's got just under a year. Right. Um, it, it, but the other side of this, too, is... Um, but the vote's in November, you're right. Right. But, 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 but you know, it, it's kind of crunch time for the globalists because we're seeing a confluence of events. We're seeing uh, things take place that we've never seen before, especially in any election year. Uh, the, the bigger picture here, you've got the, the economy. When you when we look at the economy, we've seen a, really a one. We've seen tr- well, I shouldn't say this. We've seen just trillions of dollars of liquidation of wealth, really since June of last year, of stock market wealth, of four hundred one k wealth and such. We've seen extreme manipulation in the stock market, in the uh, bond market. We've seen never before rates of 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 uh, debt, unsustainable unsustainable debt. Yeah, and latest figures say that could reach um, thirty trillion by twenty twenty. Right, right, exactly. Um, <laughs> and that's just yeah. Um, the uh, y- you know <laughs> the mainstream news purposely limits your understanding of the world by what it chooses to report or ignore. You've got to really understand that. You've got to really embrace that. And they're ignoring this confluence of events. The Islamic invasion is another issue that is not being talked about. The Islamic invasion of the West and including the United States is, is, is orchestrated and managed to the extent that that it's almost a foregone conclusion, and they're managing not just the invasion, but your your response and your perception and response to the invasion, which is why the preface to, to what I was talking about is so important. Um, notice the situation that happened in Cologne, Germany, and, and we'll use this as as just a, a kind of a benchmark. If you if you if you're wondering what I'm talking about, there was an article that was released by the Gatestone or uh, Institute. And this was uh, I believe this was a couple of days ago, where in fact the title of it was the spreading of the scent of cologne, and the author of this writes that the city of Cologne, still famous for scented water, and I don't know how many people have been to Cologne, Germany, but hence the name. All right, has uh, has become since last New Year's Eve best known for the uh, misogyny of a growing population of immigrants from North Africa, Middle East, and elsewhere. Now, I'm not going to read this article, but but what this what this is, what they're talking about here, last New Year's Eve, there were hundreds upon hundreds of women who were assaulted, who were raped, who were manhandled, who were um, tossed about, who were who were treated horribly, and that's an understatement, by this alien invasion of Muslim immigrants. These people could not be restrained by the police. And, again, they raped they raped thousands of women in Cologne, Germany. All right? Now, at first, the, the police played down the seriousness of the incidents. But by 
10 days afterwards, but by, I think it was some, somewhere like in the second week of January, the BBC reported that the number of criminal cases had risen, can you believe this, to 516. Those were just reported on that one specific day for just a few hours. 516 rapes. Okay, by these Muslim immigrants. By, you see, by these asylum seekers, these illegal immigrants from North Africa. This was confirmed by German's interior ministry. They stated that all, almost all those involved were, were, were nearly 90, uh, almost 99% were Muslim immigrants. New. Now, Cologne was only in the second, or was only, I'm sorry, Cologne was only the most prominent city to undergo this kind of ordeal. Now, if you, if you go back to, to earlier reports of the Washington Post, they wrote that no city was hit harder than Cologne, where, where gangs were mostly young men who are, who actually hunted the women, corralling them before groping, assaulting, robbing them, raping them, and, and doing just un, untoward things. But other German cities suffered as well. Hamburg, Stuttgart, Frankfurt, smaller cities. Why is this important in the context of what we're talking about tonight? It's because the perception is being controlled. What is not being reported is, is equally, is, is equally if not more important than what is being reported. And when this is being reported, notice the management of the public perception. Where did, okay, what's the tactic? So where's the playbook for the public perception when this is being reported? It is the playbook of the Tavistock Institute, the Tavistock Institute. And, and the, the people who control our media, the six corporations who control our media. Ten corporations who control more than half the content on there you media. Go. And there I'm sure, and, uh, a few of those, I didn't read through the article yet, but a few of those were the same ones that control um, the media on TV, press, and cable. And the very same people who are downplaying the the the, uh, the rapes, the assaults. Yeah, erasing or, videotapes, yep. um, calling the, the rapist victims and as yep. such. Uh, it's disgusting. They are the very same people who are not only involved in, but folks, please understand me clearly, managing the people that you are being told as Christian conservatives to listen to. They're managing them. Mm -hmm. Be right back. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, hour number two of this Thursday, January 28th edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We are going through uh, news, current events, and uh, important topics this hour and last hour. Next hour, we will have 
Dave Hodges with us from the Common Center. Right. And, and folks, don't forget, if you want to break free to watch uh, Donald Trump uh, at the uh, Veterans Rally, I know the InfoWars is uh, live streaming it, I believe, or not live streaming it, but simulcasting it, or whatever whatever it's called. Uh, that's what they're doing. Folks, before we move on, just want to talk to you um, about just this fantastic website. And, folks, you know all about the website, don't you? You know all about it. It's nuts.com. Well, I'll tell you, we... Uh, if you, if you get hungry like us during the day, we really have time to leave the studios, the offices for lunch. Have you been, have you been at the store lately? Have you looked at the selection of their nuts lately? They really have no selection. Yeah, they're super expensive. Yeah. It's like $30 for a bag of pistachios at the grocery store. That's right. And you know, um, uh, when my sister-in-law was here over Christmas, she had, uh, now we had, we had purchased in advance of that a bunch of uh, items from nuts.com but she had actually brought some uh, nuts from uh, where she lives in Wisconsin and I mean they were they were supposedly fresh from you know the, the grocery store and why she did that she, I mean she likes them and anyway boy you could tell the difference between the quality it, because really at the grocery store no selection Really, not much of one. They're sitting in cans or bags or jars on the shelves for months. Who knows? So let's be honest. You're not going to find the quality of, you know, dry or sprouted almonds and dried uh, goji berries or delicious black walnuts at your local grocery store. We found this website that we've just got to tell you about. It's nuts.com. You'll remember that name, nuts.com. They have the best tasting snacks and nuts and cashews and everything on the planet. It's a simple, convenient way to have nutritious, delicious, healthy nuts right to, uh, delivered right to your door. And, and you know, our experience when we, we've when we've used them, it's the delivery is fast, it's easy. Using their website is extremely simple. They make it really simple. Now, all you have to do, folks, is go to nuts.com, and in the microphone box on the top right, enter HH. You've heard me talk about this before, and um, I'm just going to keep talking about it because you really have to try this. Right now, new customers, if you haven't ordered before, you can get four free samples. You can choose from over the 50 options they provide for you. It's a $15 value when you go to nuts.com, click on the mic, enter our code HH. And you know what? Since 1929... They've owned, so this has been a family owned business. They've prided themselves on delivering the best in nuts and dried fruits you'll find anywhere. They use only the freshest products from the best suppliers in the world. And again, the site's easy to use. You can buy it in vast, you know, bigger quantities by the case or by the pound. And they've got a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee. And one, the, the one thing that, uh, uh, I get, so I get emails on this too. Nuts.com is more than just nuts. You, you've got, choices. There are over 3,000, three, count them, 3,000 healthy snacks that cater to any diet restriction, any diet restriction, whether you're a diabetic or you've got, uh, you know, issues, whatever your issues might be. They, look, you've got sugar-free options and certified organic and certified gluten-free. So just to have fun at nuts.com, microphone code HH, they've got, again, 39 different, uh, kinds of coffee over 170 flavors and gifts gifts galore i mean uh things that you can uh, surprise and uh, suck up to your boss with boss with and and i, and I say that jokingly but but uh, a lot of people do i mean a lot of people do give gifts to their bosses and the co-workers this is a good place to do it so right now new customers four free samples 
choose from over 50 different options. It's a $15 value. When you go to nuts.com, enter our code HH. Again, that's nuts.com. Enter our code HH for four free samples with your order. Just go nuts when you do it. Joe, it's great. Everything is great, really, tonight. And I think we're seeing... Um, uh, a paradigm shift with respect to the political spec, uh, political arena, only to the extent that uh, uh, Donald Trump, I believe, is upsetting the globalists. Yeah, he is. He is uh, not at the debate which Fox News is uh, hosting tonight. Yep. Instead, he is throwing uh, a veterans rally and raising money for veterans. And yep. you know what's interesting is, um, I think Rick Santorum and Mike Huckabee have skipped the debate and decided to go to Trump's rally. You know, I, I like Mike Huckabee, and I, I think if, if if I was asked, well, who would you pick, you know, regardless of possibility or whatever, I think Huckabee is, is perhaps one of the most, uh, uh, has the most integrity and character of all. You know, he's come out in, in, in opposition against uh, infanticide. He's come out in opposition of, of homosexual marriage. He's he's on the record of, of saying, you know, he would shut down the uh, uh I believe, uh, you know, shut down the abortuaries. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so, so Mike Huckabee is, is a good Christian, solid Christian man. Um, he represents, at least in my view, the morals and integrity and the spirituality that we need in this country and has the spirit of repentance. And I know Greg Jackson's, uh, you know, has, has a good dialogue with Mike Huckabee. Um, and, and it's interesting too, uh, how the, uh, and I and I did hear that Alex Jones talking about this about the about how Trump is threatening the establishment, the Republican establishment, and the conservative, uh, so-called conservative Republicans. He's threatening them, and the response is the establishment Republicans, much like Cheney at one point, um, eh, more Karl Rove, I suspect. But they've come out and in 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 the past and you know messed with the delegates, folks. I see this taking place. I see the possibility that the delegates will be messed with the on the state ballots. Now, if that is the case, um, you know all bets are off in my view. But but think about that. What's what's the best way outside of someone? Taking Trump out literally in, 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 you know, by, by hurting him or, you know, putting, I mean, what's the other alternative? Well, it would be politically by, by either causing a scandal, which I think at this point, I think it, he, he's perhaps impervious to, or voter manipulation. Voter manipulation. Voter there you go. Yeah. And, you know, that's more of a possibility, I think, than anything else because, um, I mean, but, <laughs> It'd be something to see. I mean, the numbers that Trump's polling at, especially when up against yeah. Clinton, you know, uh, yeah, just, it's such a, a a huge gap between the two. Clinton at the very bottom, Trump at the top. That I, I don't know that they could get away with that this time around. Well, you know, I I, I don't I don't know. Um, I, I I'm really interested in, and I've gotten a lot of great emails from from listeners who have. Who have sent sent us to the studio at the studio at Hagman at Hagman dot com? Real simple email address if you want to uh, send us what you know your thoughts at studio at Hagman at Hagman dot com. But I've read a lot of thoughtful analyses about what is taking place in the political arena, and what I find very interesting in all of this is this this 
seemingly um, obvious vacuum that no no one is addressing in the on the Democratic side. Now, if we understand in in this discussion, we understand that presidents today are selected before they're ostensibly elected. We understand, of course, that everything is manipulated, and what we're watching on television via the debates, that is, is really theatrics. So, yet there is this, there still remains a semblance of control by the person in the Oval Office. We see this through the executive orders and the executive actions by Obama. We see this by the, uh, even by the congr- congressional workings. I, I do believe that we're watching, however, things that, I, I mean, I can't, I can't explain. And, and, and I'll ask you folks out there if, if you, if you feel this way too. Isn't it interesting how we're seeing this consolidation of power at the executive level, where Congress is ceding their power to the executive branch? Thinking, I mean, what are they thinking? If, if you've got a Republican or a allegedly Republican Congress who is ceding power right now to the executive branch, are they thinking to the next person in the Oval Office, or perhaps do they know something individually or collectively that we don't know? And what about the, the, this absence of real any real viable candidate at this point on the on the Democratic side? Again, knowing knowing that that everything is is kind of managed behind the scenes, will Hillary Clinton be indicted? Do you think she'll be indicted, ladies and gentlemen? I'm going to ask you. Do you think she'll be indicted? You know, they're talking about potentially not only indicting. Um, on the, the charges of uh, that close to what Petraeus got, but there is a, a matter. Hillary's email scandal now potentially a matter of high treason yes. and sedition. And you start throwing but, treason or word treason and sedition around it, you're talking some serious stuff. There was also an article about a uh, the FBI head of the FBI possibly resigning if Hillary not indicted. I got I got an email, and I'll just, I just I didn't tell you this uh, before the show, but I got an email from someone who who is. Within the, within the, um, well, I'll just tell you right now, he's an FBI agent, alright? And he's, he's with, uh, um, he, he's inside the Beltway. And he sent me an email saying that, uh, and of course it was from his personal email account, but as if that matters, right? Okay. Um, and I've known him for a while, but he, he said there's this real bad, uh, and I will use his word. There's some real bad juju going on here, okay, inside the sure inside the FBI, where, where there's this this split between the the old guard. I don't want to say that you know the J Edgar Hoover style. Well, yeah, J Edgar Hoover style FBI agents, the, the people who've been there a while and who respect the Constitution, or at least have some level of respect for the Constitution. Versus the the people that are that have come in over the last decade, and he said, really, the, and there's there's a hundred agents, roughly a hundred agents, who were involved in the investigation of Hillary Clinton in in the various scandals from the foundation to the emails. 
and he and he said there's some real bad blood right now between the old guard and the new new agents. So, folks, and you're right. So, what you're saying is they're threatening to go public. Is that what you're saying? Or well, yeah, that's on top. I mean, resign and then go public. Yeah, the first article we saw, the first uh, FBI, they said that they would go public with the information and spill the beans themselves if the indictment didn't come. Then a secondary article later this week, I believe it was yesterday, said, and this is from a magazine, that the head of the FBI would retire if Clinton was not indicted. And now this latest article from the American Thinker, uh, again, the headline is... uh, Hillary's email scandal now potentially a matter of high treason. And what they say in here is that the uh, FBI investigation works towards its, as it works towards its logical conclusion, Catherine Heritage of Fox News reports the FBI is going directly to the intelligence agencies that generated the assessments to determine the original classification level. The investigators will go to these agencies where the original sources were um, By the way, Catherine Harridge does have a good her contacts. Catherine Harridge has good contacts in in all of the intelligence agencies. I'm sorry, go on. Yeah, and they say this is the prudent and smart thing to do in order to get the specifics on the classification authority and compare them to the original documents with those that were stripped of classification markings. But they're going to say there's something more sinister and deeper here. Colonel Mike Ford reported to AT readers that. Uh, and scoop the rest of the media explaining how U.S. classified computer systems work and how material stored on systems cannot electronically spill or jump between systems. In other words, it takes a conscious act to print, copy, scan, um, or doctor classified documents and put them on an unclassified system. That's not something a computer does. That's something the humans do. Uh, with the right, computer. right. You've got, you've got to actually Yes, you're correct. You have to physically do that. So the investigators are going to the source of these documents, um, which they're just scratching the surface on, which could end up becoming a major scandal encompassing the agencies themselves just because the State Department has the Joint Worldwide Intelligence Communication System and connectivity to the intelligence community doesn't mean that Hillary, Cheryl Mills, Huma, Abedin, or even most people at the State Department um, would have access to... SAP, Special Access Program right. Material. Yeah. But they, it goes on to say that uh, Fox News confirmed that at least one email f- had an HCS marking, which means highly classified sensitive uh, uh, of human human intelligence information. Yep. So now they, I mean, it's come out that she and Hillary, you know, plays dumb, uh, pl- plays the the idiot card every time asked she's asked about it <laughs> she, um, she'd be the joker in the deck of, deck of cards right and i saw the other day when she was and they had the democratic debate how she said that she she acknowledged her mistake um but it wasn't the mistake of of having her own server it was the mistake of getting caught basically but well yeah yeah um but this i mean i would like to see the an indictment um, on any charge, treason, sure. If it's found out that she was actively sharing classified information with members of other governments, then yeah, that's the charge that she will deserve. Well, but, you know, I mean, it, she did break the law. Regardless, she needs to be held accountable. Yeah. Regardless, she's a presidential candidate uh, or not. And you see, the other day she said she would appoint Obama to the Supreme Court. 
Well, uh, yeah. That's kind of off topic. But. Yeah, no, I, I did, and, and I think Obama has. <clears throat> if we see an election, folks, I do believe Obama has greater plans. I don't think we're going to see him, you know, right off into the sunset with his millions that he made off the backs of the American taxpayer. I believe that he's got, he will be, um, I think he's, he will be uh, uh, either going to the United Nations or taking a much greater role in the win the world you know, politics. He will be the president of the world. In The Economist, uh, I couldn't tell you where it was, but in reading this the last few days, I saw where it talked about uh, we might see the first woman UN Secretary General. It was three things that they, they were talking about, and that was one of them. There were three predictions, and that was well, one of That's them. very interesting in, in against the backdrop of what we're seeing here happen politically at home. Now, it would be obviously um, a little bit uh, presumptuous of us to, to believe that that woman, we you know, we would limit to an American. I, I don't believe that to be the case. No, so, no, no. You know, who knows? But... Um, but with respect to the the other issue about speaking about politics, and again, this these are lies at different levels. I thought it was very interesting and very telling that uh, Chelsea uh, Chelsea Clinton came out and said, "You know, I like Jeb Bush. He's my favorite GOP yeah. candidate." Um, and don't forget, George W. Bush had described Bill Clinton as his brother from another mother. And that might not be too far off, okay? When you, when you look at the at the Roth uh, uh, the, uh, I want to say Rothschild connection here, uh, the lineage, it might not, that might not be too far off, okay? But again, we're looking interestingly at this uh, massaging of the news and of the uh, the headlines and the perception of well, with the perception that we believe you know all systems normal when it comes to this election, and I think everything is all systems are not normal. No, they're not. You know, and and this goes back to as well. Uh, what bothers me more, folks, is what's not getting enough play here is Senate Resolution Twenty Nine, the Declaration of International Martial Law. And Ron Paul had come out recently and, and discussed his warnings. Uh, again, I go back with to, to uh, Alex Jones on this. Uh, you know, he, he's covering this, but but uh, and I know Rick Wiles has said a few things about this. But but folks, uh, Senate Joint Resolution Twenty Nine, this Declaration of International Martial Law, is much more nefarious and much more damning and potentially. Damaging than anything we've seen up to up, up to up to now, and I'm I'm speaking about uh, the fact that uh, uh, Congress Mitch, Mitch McConnell has granted, or is is in the work is in the process of granting the executive branch of the of, of the United States, meaning Obama or Barry Satoro, the uh, authority to declare. International martial law anywhere, and when have you heard that before? Ever, you haven't. Uh, you know, it's it's. This is not this is this is not business as usual. This is far from business as usual. This this resolution is a total re- rewrite. Let's be clear about this: of the Constitution, well, of the War Powers Clause of the Constitution. We we have to be perfectly honest and and very very. Sound the alarm bells on this one. It's a declaration of international mar- martial law. And this is a fast track. 
the what we're looking at is a fast track authorization for the use of military force. This is a bill again proposed by Republican Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, and um, the resolution would permanently permanently hand over war-making authority to the office of the president, period, to the executive branch, period. And, and this is unprecedented, and it's it's totally unconstitutional. This is the absolute wrong way to author uh, to authorize any war against anybody. But what, what is troublesome, most troublesome, is the fact that this could very well come to America. And you know, isn't that funny that... that, that um, uh, you know, anyone who talks about this is a conspiracy theorist, yet nonetheless, it's happening right before our very eyes. So, um, and, and we know that Congress cannot write or enforce any law that contradicts the Constitution. Only a constitutional amendment, amendment can change that. But, but look, who's going to challenge them on this? If no one is challenging challenges to Obama's eligibility, never made. Cruz, not addressed. We're lawless. Absolutely. So I mean, it's it's uh, we are absolutely lawless. One more thing, and then uh, we can move on. There is something that I, I happened upon earlier today, and I was looking through this, and I don't know how many people have heard of the uh, ESF. The uh, the Exchange Stabilization Fund. How many people out there, by a show of hands, I'm just kidding, how many people out there have heard of the Exchange Stabilization Fund? Ex- yeah, Exchange Stabilization Fund. Mm, don't think I have. Okay, this, the ESF was created back in 1934 by an act of Congress. All right. The reason that I this caught my attention is that we are seeing right now uh, I think Rob Kirby, we talked about this global margin call, and economist Rob, Rob Kirby and others have been talking about this exchange stabilization fund. Uh, you know, who's purchasing, for example, our debt, the the off balance sheet, off books debt? How, how is this Ponzi system being propped up? Well, it's by something called the exchange stabilization fund. Folks, if you've never heard of this, do some research on this. I intend to be, uh, I intend to be writing about it to the best of my understanding and ability, based on my research and investigation of this. And I think I've got enough information to call together the important points on this. But, but, folks, I'm going to tell you something. This is the shadow government. This is the the uh, source of black ops funding. This is really the the. the the half a dozen or so people in power that have all the money, have all the power and the wealth. That's the Exchange Stabilization Fund, or ESF. Please take a look at it. Yeah. All right. Um, we have Dave Hodges coming up in hour number three, just a yeah. half hour away. He's going to be checking in with us and talking about his things or what he's learned. But we're going to cover some news. Uh, yes, let's do that until the end of this hour. I saw this article today and read it. Um, public school system sued for pushing Islamic propaganda. Former Marine fought daughter's high school for promoting Islam. Yep. This is in Maryland. Yep. Um, a public school is being sued 
for promoting Islam over other religions. And the lawsuit was filed in federal court Wednesday on behalf of a former Marine and his wife who fought back at their daughter's high school for forcing students to complete assignments that endorsed Islam. Yep. Excuse me. And it goes on to say that the um, the public school uh, violated the students' constitutional rights. Uh, and it gives a little history on the, the family here. But their daughter and her fellow students were instructed to write out the Islamic creed uh, which says there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. When recited by non-Muslims, the creed amounts to conversion to Islam. Students are also required to memorize and recite the five pillars of Islam, which are subject to disparaging teachings about Christianity. Now, this is a um, constant thing that has been happening in our society for the last couple of years, especially with the influx of uh, illegal immigrants to America and those Syrian refugees that we had uh, seen so much of an increase from the Middle East, not even just Syrian refugees, but re- refugees from the Middle East, from the Arab Spring. And we see the uh, the huge hatred and push against Christianity and the Bible in schools, in the military, in any public setting. It's gone gotten so bad that the I can't remember the name of that organization. Um, Mr. Weinstein, Harry Weinstein, uh, is the head of this organization that has been on a rampage removing and suing every and anybody who has, um, even hotels who have the the Bible in, in their rooms as a uh, hallmark that's been normal for, you know, since I can remember. Uh, just like jail, when you go to jail, there's a, a Bible in every... Um, sell and that's been common practice even prisoners of war uh when receiving a care package you know get a bible um, and, and a certain set of uh, things that they're that they have to, to use like a board game and a deck of cards and whatnot but then you know we go back to uh we had mr or dr warner on earlier this week and his website is politicalislam.com he did a really good job of explaining to us how islam and the Sharia law didn't even the Sharia law didn't even have to be uh, adopted by a country. Just the uh, lack of fight against the Islamization of our country is the acceptance of Sharia law. Then, as I stated earlier, we read in the House Resolution 569 text the condemning violence, bigotry, and hateful rhetoric towards Muslims in the United States. It seems like the government has gone bent over backwards out of its way to remove Christianity from all aspects of of public society, whether, as I said, hotels, schools, the military, uh, everywhere. And they're bending over backwards to insert and accommodate the Muslim religion. In this bill, in this resolution, it talks about um, how uh, this is Muslims, Whereas the victims of anti-Muslim hate crimes and rhetoric have faced physical, verbal, and emotional abuse because they were Muslim or believed to be Muslim. And it goes on to say that millions of Muslims in the United States, a community made up of diverse beliefs, both immigrants and natives, Muslims, communities recognized as having been made innumerable contributions to the culture and economic fabric of the United States society. Hateful and intolerant acts against Muslims are contrary to the United States values of acceptance, welcoming, and fellowship with those of all faiths, beliefs, and cultures. I mean, they're bending over backwards to uh, 
to stop any opposition of Islam and uh, and to this point where free speech is going to be hate speech. If you do not anti-Muslim rhetoric or anti-Muslim speech they list in here, where they say the rise of hateful and anti-Muslim speech and cultural ignorance plays into the false narrative spread by terrorist groups of the Western, Western hatred of Islam can encourage certain individuals to react in extreme and violent ways, basically saying that because of anti-Muslim rhetoric, it gives these people the uh, motivation they need to carry out terrorist attacks, which they are the victims of, even though they're carrying them out. Um, but at the same time, this is doublespeak, because they say that, you know, we all have, uh, the United States citizens are all entitled to beliefs of all faiths and cultures and have the freedom to express those beliefs without any uh, fear of uh, backlash from, from people or, or the government. I mean, it's completely backwards. What they're saying here is Muslims have the the uh, freedom of religion, whereas Christians are not allowed to have the freedom of religion because this Muslim freedom of religion, or freedom of religion of Islam, trumps that, is basically what they're saying in, in right. a very... Right summarized way. And as I mentioned, I know you're grabbing your notes, Dr. Bill Warner explained uh, on Monday, his, again, his website, politicalislam.com, how that we don't have to accept Sharia law and implement it as law. The indifference or uh, accommodation to Islam in America here is the acceptance of Sharia law. And, and that that's the goal of this alien invasion, all right? It's the primary goal of the alien invaders, whether it's into Europe or into the United States, is the establishment of an Islamic state. And listen to this. Uh, I found this in an article about Paul Ryan funds visas for 300,000 Muslim yep. immigrants. Well, in down at the very bottom of this article, there is uh, Tucker Carlson who was asked... Tucker Carlson recently explained the Republican Party leaders and donors not only disagree with Republican primary voters, such as evangelical Christians, but they hate them. Carlson said they really hate them. They think they're disgusting. The leadership of the Republican Party finds uh, Christians disgusting. In D.C., it's like they're considered gross. You, you would never have dinner with somebody like that. And that's the fundamental weakness of the Republican Party. The donor class of the Democratic Party, like George Soros and Tom Steyer, and all the rest of them, they are basically agree with the values of the Democratic primary voters. The donors of the Republican Party not only disagree with Republican primary voters, but they hate them. Interesting. And this is in relation to evangelical Christians. Interesting. Well, we we all we have to do, folks, is go to the Quran, go to the uh, and as as Bill Warner stated, as you so aptly stated that. You know, it's, it's right there in front of us. We have to understand that this alien invasion of Muslims is not, uh, one for political refuge or asylum, or it's not one for betterment of, of themselves. This is intended. It's orchestrated. It is for it, the intent here. The goal is, without any doubt whatsoever, uh, of this, this Muslim infiltration, the primary goal of this Islamic immigration is the establishment of an Islamic state within the United States or within Europe, and this is achieved through what is known as dawah, which means a call. And in Islamic terms, I mean it's a call to Islam. All right, 
it's it's a it's a missionary call to embrace Islam. Now it's not like a, a personal call would be, um, though initially it just might look like that. Okay, um, this uh, this is something a little bit different. It's it's a religious and it, it's both religious and political, as there is no separation between the secular and the sacred in this case and between the state and religion and Islam there's absolutely no separation and we need to understand that Bill Warner talked about that the spreading of of Islam is not simply a missionary activity like that of a Christian church would no 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 it is the establishment of a community that rises up as the soldiers of Allah to establish an Islamic state either by force or by through fear or whatever, by conquest, by subjugation. This is what we're seeing today. And as we know, Islam is not compatible with the constitutional republic. Uh, Islam is not compatible with the constitution. Islam is not compatible with our way of life. They have no desire to assimilate but to take over and to create an Islamic state here in America. And now this, I think we can all agree, any reasonable person can agree on that, right? But what other people miss is, is what I like to call, and again, the bigger picture, Knowing the precepts of, of the Quran and, and the and the the, the Hadith and, and and knowing this, we see the globalists right now using this to as a weapon against both our well against capitalism, against the Judeo Christian religion, because don't forget the ultimate goal here. Is not the ultimate goal is not the conquest of the United States and having the United States subjugated to Islam. That might be the Muslims' goal, but the bigger goal of the globalists is once Islam, the Muslims are brought into this country, and that the battle is engaged, and to some extent the conquest is made. At that point, the Christian Judeo-Christian fabric of this country has been torn and shredded and, and and rendered just almost worthless to the extent that 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 the remnants are, are are nothing but remnants out there and we're powerful nonetheless. But but you can see where it's shredded our culture and our religion. But see the idea here, the 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 bigger idea, and and this is exhibit. An exhibit, which you just referenced, is an exhibit of what's taking place. The bigger con, or the bigger goal here, is to outlaw Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, and to dilute them in order to make one singular religion. It's a state religion that has as their god Lucifer, and of course, uh, a counterfeit Christ, which would be the Antichrist. That's their goal. So Islam is being used as the tool, as a means to an end, but yeah. a very effective means of it to an end. Go and ahead. It, and it's very likely or very possible, and I know a lot of people are going to have a problem with this, that it will reach a pinnacle, the, this country of, uh, of Islamic type belief system banning the Bible and Christianity altogether. Well, and, and this is something, I know that's hard yeah. to picture for people, but 
I, that's where I see this going. I mean, in in a breakneck pace. Well, it's interesting to me that we might not. They might not have to ban the Bible. They just change the words in it, change the translation, and, and they've done that to an extent already. Right. So that's very uh, that's very much within their capability. Yes. yes. Um, and I think that that is, you know, for example, the New King James Version of the Bible. Thomas Nelson Publishers, you see the radical changes in the New King James Version of the Bible versus the King James Version, and even differences between the King James Version and the uh, uh, Geneva Bible and, and, and the Bible that came over on the Mayflower. But even today, and, and many people that would never, ever, 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 ever think about touching, for example, a New International Version Bible. You know, who would mm-hmm. would say, "Oh, that translation"? No, no, no. Would embrace a New King James version of the Bible, not knowing how many changes. For example, you know, the uh, uh, I think there were a hundred thousand word changes, and it's not not just the "thee" and "thou." No, no, no. Um, although those are important because you know, "thee" and "thou" and "you" and "your" and stuff. Um, I mean, th- those are important changes, not for the better, but for the worse. But what 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 we're seeing here is you know, words such as. Uh, Lord, and, and Jesus not being mentioned, uh, heaven not being mentioned, or the word heaven being changed. Uh, so many changes. So it, it, it's this is a very covert backdoor assault on Christianity, on the on really Judeo, on really what's what our Judeo Christian uh, uh, faith and and heritage. But also, when you bring in the Muslims here. It, it, it doesn't make any sense, and people are walking around scratching their heads, saying, "Well, wait a minute. Why are they? Why are these guys? Why are these people doing this?" Even when you look at the conservatives, so-called conservatives or Republicans that are doing this, the question is, "Why?" You should know better. Well, the reason is they've sold out to this global new global order, and they want to change the fabric of this country. But they don't want to stop by just merely Islamicizing America. They, they're using that as a weapon, again, for the total conquest of America as a nation-state to be subservient to a one-world global system of governance. Absolutely. This is, this is where it's at. It's Through uh, you know the UN yes. um, and Lucius Trust, the arm of the yep. UN. Uh, Lucius Trust is the publishing house, which prints and disseminates United Nations material. Yep. Um was established in 1922 by Alice Bailey, known as Lucifer Trust. Yep. Changed to Lucius Trust and uh, is a leader of the New Age movement. Um, and there's so much here. This uh backed by the Rockefeller family and uh, in a book, Alice Bailey, Education for the New Age, suggests world citizenship should be the goal of the Enlightenment and a world federation for a world brain. In other words, a one-world government with a new world order. And the people behind this that have sponsored this, uh, among others, Robert McNara, uh, former Minister of Defense of the USA, President of the World Bank. McNamara, right? McNamara. McNamara. There you go. Um, and the United Nations has long been the harbinger of the new spirituality and gathering new world order based on based on ancient occult and Freemasonic principles, and it is. I've found a treasure trove of information on uh, the mystery religions and hundreds of, of books that I've just started getting into. One is called The Curse of Canaan, 
yes. which is very yes. interesting. Uh, and there's several others. But, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's amazing to me, uh, the aspirations of these people and what they plan to do because they're not joking around. This is going to be part of, you know, we, we talk a lot about the new world order, the one world religion. Well, this earth, uh, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He is the king of this earth under God's, uh, under God's boundaries and limitations that he has set up. But because man fell in the garden, yes, the control was given to Satan. And after Jesus was crucified, he took back the power of death over Satan. But Satan still has the power over this world, which is why the Lord needs to come. And, and uh, as in Daniel, when the uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, when the image of the statue of all the kingdoms of the world down to the, the head of gold from the Babylon down to the ten toes at the end times, the stone which comes in and smashes the image is that of Jesus. Um, so they have they are setting up a, a one-world government under a false peace, a false security, and this is to cooperate the world for preparation for the reappearance of the Christ. And that's the goal or aim of the group Lucius Trust and the United Nations. Mm. So when George Bush says, so when we can bring in a new world order, the vision of the UN's founders, that is a one-world government, one-world religious, one-world economic system. And, and Yeah, exactly. And there's just so much symbology that we can get into and so much other things that we can get into and drill deep down in that topic. But, but let's, you know, to, to drill deep into the topic of this, uh, um, to back up a little bit more and Muslim, this Muslim invasion in America, you had talked about, uh, the one article you referenced, of course, um, yeah. speaks to Sharia, Sharia courts too. It speaks to Sharia law and, I mean, in, in, in a little bit at its periphery, because we can we can take that and we can be because the litigation here is going to be in American courts with with the case you're talking about. However, if you look at what's what's taking place with with uh, the Muslim invasion, um, look at for example in the United Kingdom where they make up uh, Muslims uh, make up uh, less than five percent roughly, maybe maybe a little bit more now of the total population. Back, uh, I think back in 2011, 2012, well, I'm not sure, uh, just a couple of years ago, a couple of few short years ago, where, where Muslims in the United Kingdom make up, we'll say 5% of the population, there were 87 Sharia courts that were in operation side by side with the English common law courts. Now, the reason this is important is because whatever you see taking place in Europe and especially the UK, you can see coming toward, coming into this country. Um, by the way, typically the Sharia courts are based in mosques across the country. They, they're, you, right now in the UK, they're, they're basically, uh, courts that will settle financial affairs or domestic affairs. Uh, but, but, they are giving rise to, um, uh, well, they're now, now starting to affect the way the domestic courts, the legal courts are, are operating, the common law courts are operating. And, you know, we have a system here in the United States where you can go off the books, shall we say. Uh, United States citizens, we can arbitrarily 
or voluntarily, I should say, opt to utilize like arbitrary bodies to resolve disputes. Okay. And under the appropriate circumstances, it's even more desirable than going to court. But but today, the problem, we'll just say the problem in the United Kingdom and elsewhere, is that Sharia, I'll just call it Sharia jurisprudence, I guess, or Sharia courts, is not supplementing these court systems and enhancing the court systems, but they're taking it over. And what we're seeing now is this grave injustice, especially against women and against non-Muslims taking place. What's, what we're seeing is the creation of a second-class citizenry operating under this fundamentally unfair legal system, and that legal system is Sharia law. So now, let's move to the United States. I mean, or let's let's think about what you know here in the United States. Um, what what the what the, what the Muslim invasion here in this country? What they want to do is they don't want to just live here, assimilate. They want to occupy and subjugate. Bottom line, and. The, there's this erosion of natural uh, of national pride and identity and accompanied by the loss of individual freedoms rising from or, or rising I'm sorry rising anti-semitism rising anti-christianity exploding violence but no one's talking about this or few are talking about this and if you do talk about this as Bill Warner says you're a bigot Right, uh, for crying out loud, and and look at the White House or look at the um, executive branch, the Muslim Brotherhood. Look at the Muslim Brotherhood infiltration into this country's uh, DHS, into this country's security apparatus and executive branch. Is this purely by de- by design or accidental? It's by design because the Muslim Brotherhood is the real father or mother or parent, whatever you would like to call it, of the offshoots, including but not limited to groups like Al-Qaeda and and Hamas and, and others. In fact, documents presented, and I, and I talk about this a lot, um, uh, how many people remember the exploratory memorandum? The exploratory memorandum, the reason I mention this is that was a document that was presented in 2000. In 2008, during the Holy Land Foundation trial, uh, Hamas terror funding trial, that proved that the Muslim Brotherhood was, well, they were an unindicted co-conspirator in the Holy Land Foundation trial. But the reason I mention this is because it makes no sense right now. What you read, Joe, about, uh, or referenced to the, uh, the, uh, situation you read, you referenced about the, uh, uh Marine Corps. Uh, gentleman, mm-hmm. or the I'm sorry, the Marine Corps case. This is um, this lawsuit that's filed in federal court. The public school system sued for pub, uh, for pushing Islamic propaganda. This is bigger than this one case. This is bigger than this one school. This is bigger than Maryland. This is this is bigger than the, just this one federal court case. What we're seeing here is now the takeover of our courts, of our schools, and of our entire of our entire country, basically. Bottom line, 
the influx of this alien invasion of uh, from Muslim majority countries. It's causing an increase in the instance of foreign law, where you're going to see soon, years from now, I, I, I predict, cases like this be moved into Sharia courts or Sharia-compliant courts, contrary to the United States Constitution. This is being heavily reinforced by groups like the American uh, Muslim, or what is it, the Assembly of, of, I don't know how many people even heard of this, the Assembly of Muslim Jur- uh, Jurists of America, AMJA. Have you heard about that? No, probably not. There are organizations under um, this umbrella of Muslim groups and, in fact, that are affiliated with the Council on American-Islamic Relations. That are, and, and, you know, again, that they're tied closely with the, with the um, people in power in the government, the, the power brokers in government. So the bottom line is this. Uh, what we're seeing is the, the takeover of our country. And you mentioned the five pillars of Islam. You know, and, and real quick, I just want to tell you the five pillars of Islam. For those of you who don't know what they are, the jihad doctrine is the foundation of, of both inseparable components of Islam, the religion, and the state. The five pillars are very quickly: the testimony to Allah and Muhammad is the first pillar. Prayer is the second. Uh, fasting is actually the third pillar. A religious tax is the fourth, and a pilgrimage to Mecca is the fifth. The five charges are number one to assemble number two to listen number three to obey four to uh, to migrate and five to wage jihad so what you have is just picture five columns on the left five columns on the right or pillars if you will and they uh the five pillars on the left are the five pillars of islam and the five pillars on the right will say uh are the five charges of islam islam and what you what you have is just this uh submission uh, this umbrella of submission to Islam, uh, basically by these, by this doctrine, by this uh, invasion, and that's the that's the micro managed version. And a quick kind of synopsis. And I, I didn't mean to take your time, Joe, but that. No, no, no problem at all. Um, let's see here. We have. Um, I know New information on the Zika yeah. virus, which has drastically yeah. changed since the last time we talked about it, just two days ago. And we're going to get Dave Hodges' take on this right after the top of the hour break, um, and along with a, a number of other issues. Um, and we actually, I, I talked to him before the show today and, and asked him to come on maybe an hour before the show, and we didn't talk much about what we were going to talk about. So I don't know if he has anything else planned. But this is a very interesting story, and this is going to be something that we're going to have to keep an eye on for now and in the future, uh, from what I can tell, uh, for a while, U.S. scientists have urged the World Health Organization to take urgent action over the Zika virus, which they say has explosive pandemic potential. Writing in a U.S. medical journal, they called on the World Health Organization to heed lessons from the Ebola outbreak, and um, uh, which, you know, is it any coincidence yeah. that we see this new pandemic, new possibility for... Uh, the spread of disease rolling out in front of us after the uh, craziness that went on with the <laughs> Ebola virus. They say that a vaccine might be ready for testing in two years, but it could be a decade before publicly available. Zika, likened to shrunken brains in children, has caused panic in Brazil, as thousands of people have been infected there, and it's spread to over 20 countries. 
as I said yesterday, Denmark was the latest country, and there have been hundreds of cases all throughout the United States now. We have uh, New York uh, State, we have uh, Arkansas, I know Virginia, West yep. Virginia, yep. Uh, just to name a few off the top of my head, California, they were treating some people there. Uh, and and this all, you know, this was not in the U.S. last week. And now it... it did, did that you find that strange? Yeah, very uh, much I mean, so. And especially since it's not spread by person to person, it's spread by mosquitoes. mosquitoes. And, and it's... Uh, I haven't seen any mosquitoes outside. Mm, um, no. And I can't imagine there any being any in Long Island, New York, after the snowfalls that they just had. So it must be travelers, uh, I would imagine. I, I would have to think that to be the case. The climate is not favorable to mosquitoes, but... So, so to me, this is like the most. Um, is this the most serious illness you never heard of? I mean, I don't know if it's the most serious. It seems to affect pregnant women, and the birth defects in, in those pregnant women are what seem to be the most severe. But see, this is what bothers me. The Journal of American Medical Association is saying that we need to act early because this could cost thousands of lives. They warn that a similar catastrophe could unfold, and a swift action is not taken over. Uh, the Zika virus that will have a massive pandemic on our hands. Well, let me ask you this. What can you do when there's no vaccine, no treatment, no cure? What action can be taken? More genetically modified mosquitoes adding to this problem that now has infected regular mosquitoes? I don't know if you saw that update, but now regular mosquitoes are known to carry this virus. Non-genetically modified mosquitoes, naturally occurring mosquitoes, have contracted the Zika virus. Are, are we certain, Joe, that the um, genetically modified mosquitoes are the, are the main source of this virus? No, but right. they're definitely a source of spreading it. Okay. Um, they go on to say emergency committee should be convened urgently to advise the doc, a director general about the conditions necessary to declare a public health emergency of international concern. This is a concern to us because under the public health emergency... They can do anything. Uh, right. I mean, we're talking martial law. Remember the Ebola outbreak? They released an executive order that said if you have signs of a cold, you can be quarantined. <coughs> so, right. so we're going to be right back on the other side with Dave Hodges. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour on this Thursday edition, January 28th of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're joined this hour by Mr. Dave Hodges of the Common Sense Show. Uh, before we get to him, we got a quick announcement. Yeah, I just want to make make sure everyone's aware. You know, I had mentioned earlier in the in the program about uh, WholeTonesLive.com. That's WholeTonesLive.com. I mentioned about them, and, and just, i, I got to tell you, the um, the music that they provide for us, the DVDs that we received uh, after purchasing Whole Tones Live, really has made a difference. It, it's made a difference in the way we have. Uh, oh, it's just it's made it's made a huge difference in our productivity in, in our moods. Uh, ask, Dave, ask Joe. That is, I mean, he'll tell us. He'll tell you. You know, we really 
or I, I really, uh, you know, I respond to things like this. It, it's 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 nice the um, the music of King David, the lyrics, the frequencies of King David apply here. And we had Michael Terrell on not too long ago on this program talking about whole tones live and about the the benefits of of different frequencies and and different music and different uh, healing powers that that whole tones live can offer the listener. And I and and I will say that. Without without overstating the case, I, I believe that uh, whole tones live the music there can help you overcome the feeling of being overwhelmed and stressed and unmotivated, uh, the feeling that you're not running your life. You know, you're not alone in those feelings. But now you can experience the scientifically proven powers of this music therapy with WholeTonesLive.com. And again, they've got a collection of proven music therapy that can help reduce stress, ease your mind, and motivate you. Just uh, got n- a n- number of emails from listeners to this program who ordered um, the music from Whole Tones Live. Just a number of listeners, and they're all positive. Um, it's just it, it's so great to hear uh, the the listeners saying, "Hey, I really have benefited from from the, from your from Whole Tones Live. Thank you so much for turning me on to Whole Tones Live." Uh, so I, I urge everyone to go to wholetoneslive.com, download a free sample at wholetoneslive.com. Support our broadcast. Go to wholetoneslive.com. That's wholetoneslive.com, and uh, you know have at it because it's to take advantage of it. It's really it's, it's a, just a fantastic product. You know, um, I'm not sure if his daddy was a cop on the east side of Chicago back in the old USA, back in the bad old days, but I don't know. But I do know that in the heat of a summer night in the land of the dollar bill, Dave Hodges was suspiciously absent, conspicuously absent. No, I'm just kidding. Folks, I want to welcome to the program tonight Dave Hodges from the Common Sense Show. Dave, welcome to the Hagrid. Hey, that, that, that's one of the more unique introductions I've ever had. Thank you for uh, that. Well, you know, it's kind of... Uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. Like I said before, buddy. Uh, you know, now I and to those listening, to those listening, let me tell you, the duck flies at midnight, and, and the hen is in the nest. I repeat, the hen is in the nest. <laughs> yeah, I'm but just, they're giving yeah. me too much credit because I I've never had the opportunity to talk to Mister Netanyahu before, and um, I guess that's who I'm supposed to be helping now. So, well, I guess we all are. You know, it's just it's just it's it's amazing what the. It's just amazing some of the misinformation, disinformation out there. But but you know what, folks? I want to tell you, Dave Hodges it did the only uh, uh, alternative news or new media interview with Ammon Bundy during the Oregon standoff out there. Um, and, and I really want to ask him because we did a show yesterday about about our thoughts on it. But you are in the you you were in the unique position along with Sheila Zelensky, But you were in the unique position to do this interview with Ammon Bundy. Tell us about this because what's really what was really at issue here? Um, well, look, first of all, uh, I wanted to give credit where credit's due. Um, Katie Whalen, my my wonderful and, and top notch health reporter on the Common Sense Show, she facilitated putting that interview together. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, she knows Ammon Bundy's sister's friend, and one thing led to another. In fact, we were supposed to have Ammon on on January the 10th, which was a Sunday night and the last 30 minutes of my show. And I look back on it now retrospectively, I should have kept my mouth shut and just had him on and not announced that he was coming on because one minute before having Ammon on, in fact, I was just finishing a live read commercial for 
Steve Quayle's Renaissance Precious Metals, and and boom, the lights went out. I mean, we were off the air, and I understand that my show is broadcast on two satellites, and they went down simultaneously. Our listen-by-phone did. Uh, our phone lines went out, and as we found out uh, that later that night uh, from Shauna Cox uh, inside the Bundy camp that all the Bundy communications were taken down, too, at exactly the same time. So they did not want... Ammon Bundy to be able to tell his story to someone who would let him tell his story, because the you know the the narratives that they do the splice and dice with CNN and Fox and NBC, they'll ask questions and they seem harmless enough to you when you're answering as the person being interviewed, but then they get it on the uh, editing room and they just put this here and put that there and pretty soon they're taking out what you really meant to say and putting in what they want you to say. And so, you know, Ammon was bushwhacked by the mainstream media, and the FBI, and I suspect also the CIA, were very determined not to let us interview Ammon. Now, uh, Katie, not to be deterred, uh, got back in touch with them the next day, and we got Ammon on, on our afternoon show. And Sheila and I were talking away, and, and lo and behold, we get Ammon, courtesy of Katie. And so Ammon comes on, and I have to tell you, I, I support Ammon and, and his compatriots. I support them fully, except I did not like the fact that they took over a federal building because I thought that left them vulnerable to federal intervention. And um, I, I wish that he would have been able to set up camp in a different place, but I also said this is not the hill to die on. And I thought Ammon was going in there to make a militant statement, you know, with guns and lots of numbers of people. And I was really wrong. I, I misjudged the situation. And so I was forced to do a mea culpa after I interviewed Ammon because here's the, some of the things he said to me. We're not here behind bunkers, you know, with guns pointing through the slits looking to take down federal officials. We're not doing that. We are here to support the ranchers in the area who've been so abused by the BLM and the EPA and their illegal land intrusions you know, upon their properties and depriving them of their ability to make a living to support their family. And he said, we're here to stop violence because the way things are going, they're so bad, there's going to be widespread violence. And he said, we go, for example, on rancher's land and we'll take down a fence that was put on to restrict uh, rancher activity by the fish and wildlife. He said, we'll go take that down and help that rancher out. And he said, that's what we're here to do. And as I listened to this man talk over the 40 minutes that we interviewed him, he came across as a man who was soft-spoken, tender-hearted, and really just trying to help people preserve their way of life, preserve their economic well-being against an all-powerful and out-of-control tyrannical federal government. But he was very calm in what he was doing. He cited scripture. He cited uh, the Constitution. And I came away from the interview going, whoops, I need to get 100% behind Ammon. The federal building still bothered me, though, because I don't like leaving myself vulnerable and this is this I think was the justification for the FBI to come in and do the things that they ended up ultimately doing, which was murdering Lavoy Finicum. Uh, but I got to tell you, Doug and Joe, uh, Ammon Bundy is a man with a soft heart. He's not a militant, but he's not afraid to stand up for his rights. That's what I came away with from that interview. 
and and I have to tell you, I've had the interview knocked off my website. I put it up on Before It's News. It was knocked off there. I put it up again. Um, I've had trouble accessing it out of our archives from time to time. We checked on it today, and it looks like everything in the archives is fine. But there was a time when myself and several of my listeners could not access the interview. And I, I know we're being tampered with. And they don't want that side of Ammon to come out. In fact, there was an article here in the Arizona Republic where I live, our major daily for the state, and all they did was vilify him. He's a radical. He's a militant. He's a gun-toting thug. And this is how they characterized him. And, guys, he's anything but that. He's a man who loves God, and he wants the Constitution respected and people's property rights to be honored. Okay. Now... But what I guess see you said at the beginning the narrative was it's not clear it was being controlled the whole story was being manipulated and it's still being manipulated right I mean yes yeah in fact they had an article on the front page of the Arizona Republic yesterday about the event and we I suppose we can get into the event but. They they said that one killed, seven taken into custody. Uh, the man killed. They didn't identify him. Uh, I don't know. I had the name within hours. I don't know how the Republic didn't have it by the next day. And I'll let them know. His name was Lavoy Finicum. He was a father of 11. Uh, he had been abused by the federal government in his own land rights. He's an Arizona rancher. Uh, so he's from my home state. And uh, he was surrendering. They They set up a roadblock and he swerved to avoid it and he drove into a snowbank and he got out of the car with his hands above his head and clearly there are I have I had two Facebook narratives sent to me that same night he was killed and of course Facebook has since taken it down and then there is a third recording that's appeared from a passenger that was in the car and she said he was gunned down and Ammon Vundy got out some messages before he was taken into custody saying the same thing his hands were above his head. He was unarmed, and they shot him multiple times. In fact, the description was they believe he was shot three times. He went down to the ground, and they continued shooting him. And, of course, you know, they've got the judges paid off in that county, Judge Grasty. They've got right. the coroner on their side. They've got the uh, fire marshal who blew the whistle originally. He's now backtracked on everything. So the feds have come in and taken total dictatorial control. You mean the, the, the fire chief? The fire chief. The fire chief. Clear. Excuse me. Right. Uh, but they—they they, uh, his name was Briel, B-R-I-E-L, um, and I just like I said, he's changed the story more than most people change their socks. And and these people are all under the control now of the federal government. Here's what I've been able to piece together from the evidence that's leaked out and from people that we know within the camp is that they were traveling in a car and they were going to an appointment and they've often offered to the FBI to sit down and have a talk. They said, okay. we'll talk to you. In fact, I have a video where Ammon showed up with several people and the FBI was supposed to meet him and they were met by two guards and they said, well, the, the FBI is not going to come and meet with you today. So they had a chance to resolve this peacefully. But that's not way that the FBI conducts their business in the Wild West. In fact, let's just go back to um, um, Randy Weaver, you know, back right. in the 90s when they uh, shot Randy Weaver's 15-year-old son in the back running away from the agents, 
and then they fired a shot through the kitchen window uh, where Mrs. Bundy was holding their one-year-old infant and killed her instantly. Of course, uh, Randy was exonerated and paid $4 million from Congress, but he doesn't get his family members back. That was courtesy of the FBI, and these FBI snipers were never held accountable. Then, of course, most people know what happened at Waco, where they burned women and children alive when they brought in the tanks and knocked down the walls. What the hell did they think was going to happen? And now we go forward where we have the uh, the murder that took place outside Burns, Oregon, and these people are offering to speak to federal officials. What they did was they trapped them. They set up a roadblock. There were agents in the trees firing from the trees. The one estimate said that they believed their car was hit 120 times. Ammon's Bundy, Ammon Bundy's brother was wounded, shot in the arm. These people were never given a chance to surrender. They never brand, brandished guns. Guns never left their holsters. All they had was sidearms. And these people, it was like a Bonnie and Clyde massacre. And, and really, it makes you ashamed in one sense to be an American that our federal law officials could act with such depravity. These people asked to meet with federal officials. They could have arrested them on the spot. But no, they had to have the big gun, shot, gun shooting at the OK Corral. That's what they had to have. And, it, and I just get so angry about it because now a man is dead who didn't deserve to die. They didn't have to resolve it this way. And, and I knew these people were headed for prison. I knew they were going to do 20 years for occupying a federal building. I had Kurt Haskell on my show, and Kurt said they're either going to come out in body bags or in handcuffs and do 20 years. And I knew he was right. But they didn't have to have this show of force. They were shooting at him from two angles. I mean, they were totally bushwhacked. And, and every yeah. American needs to be furious. Because I know a lot of people are going to hang their hat on the fact that our men took over a federal building in the middle of nowhere. I understand a lot of Americans are going to hang their hat on that argument and say that they support the government. But do you support a government that bushwhacks people who have actually offered to sit down and negotiate with you? They ambush them actively and try to murder all of them without giving them a chance to surrender? Is this the kind of country we want to live in? Oh, well said. Yeah, and Dave, uh, one of the things that caught my attention when this uh, information and situation first was developing, when the FBI released the statement that night and then the, the previous day or the next day had a press conference, um, which a lot of mainstream headlines, you know, shoot out in Oregon with militia, um, the FBI stated that shots were fired, but they never placed blame on those uh, militia members, nor did they ever clarify if the militia members ever fired a yeah, shot. And that was a big red flag for me Yeah, uh, right away, because, you know, that would have been the, the main headline on all the websites if that were the case. There's no shootout, right? I mean, no one from the Patriot Movement shot a, shot a, got a shot off, right? No. All the shots were fired by the FBI. No. Yeah. Uh, no shots and, were fired by the uh, Bundy group. Did, you know, <laughs> just as an example, you mentioned uh, Randy Weaver and the 15-year-old son running away, shot in the back. It's interesting because right now we have a case where a Colorado homeowner who was robbed at gunpoint, tied up in his house, uh, robbed and, and uh, by a guy, uh, 38-year-old David Martinez is the perp's name. He uh, long criminal history. Okay, this guy... This guy, you know, t tied this guy up in his own house and stole his car. Well, somehow the, the homeowner managed to untie himself, grabbed his gun, went out and shot at the car as the car was leaving. Okay, the, his own car by the perp. 
the per- actually shot the perp. The perp died, and now he's facing charges. So, or might be facing charges. So, it's interesting because the 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 look at look at the system that, in which we live. The FBI can do this, and the feds can do this with with impunity. Yet, when a homeowner does this in self defense, and I and I understand that this guy was leaving, and it doesn't didn't pose an immediate threat, but the analogy is the same. But okay, so yeah, you know, um, all right. Uh, but the again, the, the narrative appears to be a moving target, Dave. It's always a moving target here, and it's being controlled by by either the silence from the mainstream media or by the perverse reporting of the mainstream media and even the inaccurate reporting of some of the alternative media. It's just crazy. But you got it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, or the, you know, the eyewitness or the, the man himself, Ammon Bundy, who called for this. And what do you make of his, what do you make of his recent statement after his arrest saying, okay, we're going to go home now? You know, go home. What do you you know, I don't think we can trust anything that's released now. Not unless I could, if I could have a personal conversation with Ammon, that would be one thing. But if I'm relying on the printed media and the mainstream media for what their take is, I don't trust a word they say. Yeah. They're not trustworthy. They, they, they work, they're corporate controlled, and they work for the corporations that run this country. And they're going to spin this narrative. Let me tell you why the corporate controlled media is doing what they're doing. Let's get to the, to the bottom line of all this. What's okay. going on is that the federal government is working on behalf of special interests to get ranchers off their land. And why are they getting them off their land? Well, they're moving them off lands in which there are valuable mineral resources. Now, I wrote, I wrote an article about two and a half years ago in which I cited an independent study that said we probably have about $128 trillion of underground hidden mineral wealth. And, and this was a solid study and backed up by a second study. And the, these minerals are being stolen off ranchers' land. In fact, the, the Hammond Ranch, the, the ranch at issue here with the Hammond-Bundy controversy, the Hammond Ranch is having precious metals taken, including uranium. Now, people are going to reject this when I say this, but I stand next to the New York Times when I say this, uh, the, there's a company called Uranium One. It's a Canadian-based company. It's a front company owned by the Russians. And the Clintons have intimate ties with it. And Uranium One comes onto various properties, according to the New York Times. And I followed up on this and found it was much more pervasive than the New York Times was reporting. And I reported on this back in April of 2015, that the Uranium One company was going on to BLM land uh, and also rancher land with the permission of the BLM and stealing uranium and giving it or selling it to the Russians and the Russians were providing a kickback to Hillary Clinton for her presidential campaign. New York Times. In articles I've written within the last 10 days, I have cited the New York Times article on this. Now, they never did a follow-up because, obviously, this is politically provocative. But once it was out there, you can't unring the bell, so the story stands. Well, yours truly went out and did my own independent research, and I found even more beyond what the New York Times report said. This is, this is widespread and rampant throughout the West. So the Hammonds, I'll, I'll just give you an example. Here's what happened. You have the two Hammonds, father and son. 
they get permission from the federal government to do a controlled burn on their land. They lost control of the controlled burn, and it went partially, not even fully, on the federal land. It was an accident, and it was an accident that came from an approved federal action. So what were they? What happened to them? Well, they were tried by a, a prosecutor, a U.S. attorney, who said, well, we're not just going to charge you with being reckless and go after the damages. We're going to charge you under terrorism laws. So they were charged with arson, but terrorism-based arson, which carried a five-year mandatory minimum sentence. And they weren't sentenced to the, to the mandatory minimum. They were sentenced to less because the judge said they didn't deserve that much jail time. So they each served a few months. I think the son served a year, and the, the, the dad, the 73-year-old father, served three months. And they were let out. Well, then here comes the prosecutors again, and they file an appeal with the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and they said that we haven't had enough blood here. We need more blood. We need them to go back and serve five years. That's double jeopardy. Okay, the judge already mm-hmm. ruled. They already served their time. They were let out. This is a clear case of double jeopardy. And so they're thrown back in jail for five years. Well, this is where, you know, the Bundys and, and several people that followed them sprang into action, and they came to Burns, Oregon. And why did they throw the Hammonds in jail? Because they want their mineral wealth. There's clear and convincing evidence that their mineral wealth is being stolen. So any time they can prosecute someone to the full extent of the law, even when terrorism laws are inappropriately used, they get them off their land, they get their minerals, and Hillary Clinton gets her cut. And this is going on all across the West. And so this isn't just about Ammon Bundy going crazy and grabbing a gun and getting people to follow him. That's not what's at work here. He's trying to expose this. And see, this is why they took down my show on January the 10th, why they didn't want the Common Sense show talking to Ammon Bundy, because they don't want this story told. Doug, I'm surprised we're still on the air. I really am. The federal government is in bed with these criminals, and they are trying to control the narrative. And I've had such unbelievable electronic harassment. People are talking to me, and my phone starts making weird noises. Um, One night I was on with a colleague talking to this person on the phone, and my my phone sent her two text messages in the course of our phone conversation. I'm not joking. Hmm. This is the kind of electronic harassment that I'm experiencing because I've jumped into the middle of this. They want the narrative controlled. They don't want the American people in an election year to know that, hey, we're the federal government and we're in bed with criminals and we're trying to bring your next president, Hillary Clinton, based on treason because she's selling, for her interest, uranium to the Russians they could use in nuclear weapons against us. This is what they don't want coming out. And this is why they, they, they have to do what they're doing with Ammon Bundy. I mean, don't expect to hear from him. You remember the Waco trial, guys? Remember how they sequestered um, the defendants, uh, the, the 12 survivors of the Waco massacre, and they sequestered them and they could never talk to the media? Look for that to ha- happen with Ammon Bundy and his group. Okay. I, I mean, this is, this is amazing and it's surreal that this is happening here in the United States. So let me, let me ask you, um, based on your knowledge right now of the situation, where do we stand? Where do they stand? Is that, uh, refuge still occupied? And if so, how do you expect 
I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I, I, I got a text from Sheila, and she said she was going there to Oregon. I haven't heard a follow-up from her yet, but um, I understand there's still action there. There's still people on the scene. The FBI did tell people they could leave, and um, they. Uh, uh, I understand some left, and some are still there. There's a guy here in Peoria, Arizona, and his name escapes me. It's like Wrightmeyer or something like that, but he was up there at the compound. Um, here, I'm using mainstream media term, excuse me. He was up there at the refuge. Okay, it's not a compound. Uh, that's mainstream media characterization to make you think they're militarized. But uh, he was up there at the refuge, and he left to come back home uh, and be with his family, and the FBI contacted him here and says, you need to turn yourself in. You're being arrested for hindering federal agents in the commission of their duties. And this is what they're charging all the people with that were taken into custody in the car, uh, in, in which uh, Lavoy Finnegan was killed when he was putting his hands in the air. And, uh, by the way, the uh, um, the saying, remember the race riots in Missouri? Ferguson, Missouri, hands up, don't shoot. Uh, that really applies yeah. here in this case, too. But anyway, this gentleman uh, went to the Peoria Police Department uh, two days ago, turned himself in, and he was arrested on federal charges. Uh, I think it's a minimum term of five years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so they're not really letting people go home. They're saying you can go home, but when you do, it looks like they're going after people locally. And they're saying, turn yourself into your local police department. We're coming after you. So yeah, it's exactly kind of interesting um, how they're playing this out. Uh, they'll have all these people in prison before long. Doug, they can't let the story come out. I mean, this is... Can you imagine if the if the public, yeah. the general public, not the 10 million people that pay attention to the independent media, but can you imagine if 50 million people or 80 million people in this country knew what you and I know about this case and what it really represents? <laughs> yeah, that would pose a threat to uh, to, to the operational uh, operations of the of the federal government. Indeed, uh, so I, and, and that was the gist of the, our program yesterday, Dave. Um, we, which we were talking about this and, and really how the Patriot movement has been compromised by, by the portrayal of the individuals here. You look at the mugshots of, of the, um, the, of the individuals arrested, uh, and it's, it's really a pejorative image of, of the Patriot movement, shall we say. And the narrative is being controlled, but more than that, the psychology uh, and you, and you, you're you're an expert in psychology. You've got the degrees. We don't, but you do. Um, we're looking at how how number one how the movement, the patriot movement, has been infiltrated, the, the how it's been divided, how it's now being portrayed, and how um, even from within. And and I have an emailer here that that wants to ask you a question. I'll just pose this question to you because again, you're more into. Um, uh, you've got more of the facts than, than we do about this. Uh, this gentleman, his name is Keith, I believe. Yes, Keith. Keith K. wants to know what your opinion is of the embedded journalist Pete Santilli up there. When I say embedded journalist, I guess that's the only way I know how to describe his position. He's. What's your I think, opinion? I, I mean, think he, Mr. Santilli is in a lot of trouble because he got arrested. Okay. He was part of the party that was shot at by the FBI 120 times and then taken into custody. 
so I, I, I think he's in a great deal of difficulty. Hey, Dave, we uh, just came across the video. Uh, the FBI actually released the video of the shooting, an aerial view. Um, I'll have to forward this to you. They show him getting shot with his hands in the air. I'm actually surprised they released this. It's actually that is amazing. Go to FBI on YouTube. That's almost a form right of intimidation to other people. Look what we'll do to you. And I'm just wondering, you know, anything that's released on the Internet, video, unless unless it can be authenticated, I, I have a – I don't care if it comes from the FBI or, you know, who it comes from. I have a real um, – I question it. I question the authenticity of you – know, I mean, because look what they did with the 9-11 videos. I mean, how, how they were – a lot was edited in terms of the Pentagon and such. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's out there, and certainly – People watching on YouTube, maybe we can, uh, maybe you can send that to, to Eric, or maybe he can, uh, uh, Joe, maybe he can, for the people on, yeah. on YouTube. All right, Dave. Well, yeah, I mean, he, uh, Mr. Santelli obviously is in a lot of trouble, but, but did he do, did he do the movement any favors, I guess, is my question. Did, um, or, or well, that's I, mean, not, I mean, that's not really for me to judge. I think that, um, yeah, everyone true. has to judge who, whether it's Dave Hodges or Doug Hagman or Pete Santilli. They have to judge us on the merits of how they perceive our work. And, yeah, um, and I didn't mean to ask that question. That was an unfair question. Well, let me just say that because I, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't know what uh, it, it, this to me is uh, just this great attempt, in my view, this great attempt to really marginalize the people behind the patriot movement. And true, you know what I true. see coming, come, Dave? I, here's what I can see happening in response to the death of Mr. Finnegan, or. Or in response to what might happen next, there's going to be a federal building that'll get blown up, much like Oklahoma City, and it'll be blamed on the Patriots, you know, just like mm-hmm. Waco, um, mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City. And, and there goes the, not, not just the perception of the Patriot, Patriots, but also the, uh, the ability to have weapons. And of course, I could see the gun grabbing in this. I don't, I don't know. I, I can just see this as a big psyop, I guess is what I'm saying. Infiltrated. Well, when, when I wrote my article on this, um, I, 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 um, I probably sounded like a two year old child because I said, stupid, stupid, stupid. I said, by federal officials murdering an unarmed man, and that's murder in my book, uh, you, you give the people a chance to surrender especially when they've already offered to meet with you. Uh, so when they murdered that man, the federal officials have guaranteed they're going to be fired upon at a later date. And I'm not advocating for it. I, I don't advocate for violence, ever. Right. I'm a Christian. Yeah. This is not the way we handle our differences. But they've invited the fact, and this is just based on my judgment of human nature, that uh, these ranchers are going to see, well, they're going to kill me anyway, so they come on my land, I may as well shoot them. I'm telling you, there are people that think this way, Doug. Not, not that wow. Dave Hodges is encouraging this, because, you know, as soon as I say that, people are going to say I'm saying to go out and shoot <laughs> federal officials, and I'm not saying that. What I'm of saying course. is some people are going to say that they feel that they don't have any legitimate options to save their land, that the government's against them, all the agencies are against them, the media's against them, and and when people are in desperate situations, they do desperate things in some cases. And that's why I said stupid, stupid, stupid. Federal officials, you just brought all hell down upon you, and you didn't need to do that to yourself. I don't want to see federal officials die. They go home to their families like the rest of us. I don't want to see that. But I damn mm-hmm. sure don't want to see innocent people who are surrendering killed. No, I won't no, accept I, that, I and I won't be silent about it either. 
So we have a big mess right now. This is going to harden ranchers against the government, and it's going to harden them in a violent way. I mean, let's go to to Northern California and Southern Oregon. There are 19 counties there that have loosely formed this group called the State of Jefferson, and it's an attempt on the part of various public officials and citizens, and I mean public officials like county commissioners and mayors and so forth, that want out of their two respective states so they can better battle the BLM and their abuse towards ranchers and farmers. And these people are using the system now, I don't think they've got a snowball's chance, and you know where, of getting Congress to approve this action, but they're trying to go through the system. When you murder an unarmed rancher who has his hands in the air, you've shown people that it doesn't pay to work within the system, and this is when people start taking the law into their own hands. I think we're going to see a lot of violence spread from this eventually, and we'll, see that we'll, we'll look back on this event and say this was a flashpoint. Okay, and that was my other kind of uh, question: whether whether you believe that this has risen to the level, despite the attempt to tamp it down, if this has risen to the level of of an incident that will be, you know, uh, considered a a flashpoint. And, and and I respect your research and your opinions, and and your your opinions based on your research. Here it is, and and ladies and gentlemen, I mean, here's here's. Dave Hodges, who spoke directly with Ammon Bundy, and and who got the, who, you know, who got the scoop, and and it was a, how, how, it was what an hour interview, right, or thereabouts, about I mean, forty was, minutes. Okay, so so I mean, you had time to, to discuss things with him, and and so there was a yeah, lot I, of I, talked about. I basically shut up and let him talk. All right, people want and, to hear Ammon. Sheila and I yeah. said very little. I bet we didn't say a hundred words between the two of us. Uh, we wanted Ammon to tell a story. All right, and people can find that interview on thecommonsenseshow.com or linked off thecommonsenseshow.com. Yeah, you know what, I'm going to repost that again tonight. Um, now that I know we've definitely got a working link, um, I'm going to put that back up tonight after the show. People can go up there. And uh, I think people need to hear, Ammon Bundy is a man of God and a man of the Constitution. Plain and simple. Okay. Um, and well, you know what these people did when they were being shot at? They didn't shoot back. They got on the floorboard. And Ammon's uh, brother was was wounded, and the yeah. and, and and the FBI you fire 120 shots and you, you kill one person out of seven. It's almost like the gang that can't shoot straight, but they shot straight yeah. enough to murder one man. I, I'm so incensed about this, Doug. I can't even find the words to express it. Well, it, it is a horrible. I mean, to to think, and I've I've received so many emails, Dave, and I'm sure you have as well from from um, uh, patriots and from men and women who have fought in armed services and said, you know, this is not the America that I fought for and, and uh, you know, I had, had friends die for and family members die for. So you're absolutely right and, and correct in this. And, and, and I defer to your um, judgment on this based on your, again, your reasoned investigation and research into what we're looking at. So, Wow. All right, well, so the only thing I'm going to say in defense of the government, and, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of beating the dead horse, but I just want to make sure I make this point clear. I don't sanction the taking over of a federal building. I wish they would have built a tent, you know, a big tent or something on private rancher land and operated from that, because the minute you did that, and, and they didn't harm anybody, and they didn't harm any property. Ammon's people didn't do any harm when they took over the building except you gave the other side the excuse to paint you as a criminal. 
That's the so, one thing I didn't like. Now, everything else that they did, they conducted themselves honorably. Okay, they were there I, to defend the Constitution and the property rights of ranchers. They were completely okay. correct in their actions. So I, I received... Um, okay, I'm going to just go to... Uh, uh, okay, I received an email from a number of emails, but a couple of them said that the uh, um, the people there had. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just cite this one here. I agree. I, this is a response from a show yesterday. I usually agree with you, but not this time. I'm a Native American. When I heard the, the land they were occupying was sacred Indian land, I wanted the federal government to go in there and get them out of there right away. Then I heard they, meaning the patriots, were uh, desecrating burial sites. Is that any, I mean, is that, uh, where'd that come from? Well, uh, and Ammon on the show, it's disinformation is what you got okay. there, Doug. Okay. Uh, right. When Ammon was on the show, I asked him a question about Native Americans because it was about, gosh, I'm trying to think. I was writing for Freedoms Phoenix about nine, ten years ago, ten years ago. And one of the first stories I covered was how the BLM with impunity was allowing corporations to go on native land, reservation land that was protected by treaty, and stealing oil and other precious minerals off the land and not paying the royalty to the native tribes as they were supposed to. And based on that experience I had when I covered that story, I then asked Ammon the question in the interview, uh, have you thought about reaching out to Native American tribes because they've been the victim of this kind of mineral theft as well? And he said, interesting you'd mention this, some of the native tribes have reached out to us. And when I wrote a follow-up summary article on the interview, I raised the question, I said, this would be a federal government's nightmare if Native American tribes banded with American ranchers against the federal government for this land abuse. I, I recall, and okay. I, at that you, time, you, it's like I was driving down the street thinking about this story, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I don't know if it was a word from God or what it was, but I realized, oh my gosh, this is why the federal government will act with extreme prejudice. They can't let this happen. And I guarantee you that email that you got was disinformation. Okay. Well, you know, or this person got the information and believing it to be true passed along to me. And, well, and, and you know, all, let's it, just apply common sense to the allegation. They're desecrating Indian monuments and burial grounds. These guys are too busy seeking out rancher issues and trying to fix those. They were involved in intense labor projects. Uh, and, and also they were looking at paperwork and court documents. And Ammon asked for help on my show from people that would come there and help them decipher land deeds and so forth. They they were looking to right wrongs. They didn't have time to go out and play the role of a vandal like some teenage kid who's drunk on a Saturday night. It doesn't even make any sense. The allegation makes no sense. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah, and, and, and again, I, I'm looking at this from a larger view here because I do see both. Um, uh, I see both both the constitutionalist patriot movement digging in from this, but I also see this manipulation of public opinion 
that seems to be winning the day, the, the psy wars winning the day, because the you know the the, the corporate media, of course, is not going to tell the truth, or if they they're not going to report on it, and if they do, they're not going to tell the truth. And then, of course, the alternative media, just you know, as evidenced by some of the emails I got, not necessarily the one I just read you, but others misunderstanding the larger issue. And you did a great job, by the way. And then, folks, go to the commonsensual.com. I urge everyone to read. Dave's research on, for example, the mineral, mineral rights, and um, we talked about the uranium situation yesterday during our program. Uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, through the uh, 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 what was it, the uranium one, right? Which is uh, out of yeah. Canada, yeah. uranium one, and, and the, the ties of the Clinton Foundation. Yeah, Doug, let me say something in my defense, and I, I don't often feel the need to come on and defend myself, but. I've had people accuse me of just making up this Uranium One thing. And like I said, I stand by the New York Times article and my supporting research to that. But I want people to hear this clearly. I wrote about this, and I wrote about how Hillary Clinton was benefiting from the Uranium sales back in April of 2015. So we're talking nine months ago, folks, almost ten months ago, I wrote about this. This wasn't something I just concocted when this situation in Burns, Oregon cropped up. I was on this story in April of last year. So, so much for the allegations that I'm fabricating evidence. And and, and i got to tell you, I, I under, understand completely why, and, and I don't think you need to, you need to really um, apologize, but, but I, or not apologize, but, you know, defend your position, because I, I recall this, I recall, in fact, um, uh, we had some dialogue, and I'm not sure it was about this in particular, but it was about the larger issue. Because this was six months in the wake of the, or a few months in the wake of the uh, Bundy Ranch situation. And Well, this was, uh, I think, the year after. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly was, the year was, after. But okay. let, let me just share this thought with you. In the article I wrote in April, I think I'm going to repost this on my website, too. You um, should. Uh, but in the article, I compared... Hillary Clinton to Ethel Rosenberg. Now, for people that might not know that name, Ethel Rosenberg and her husband, Julius, were convicted of selling uh, atomic secrets to the Soviet Union so they could go about constructing their own nuclear bombs, and these two were executed. And, and I made the point that the evidence against the Rosenbergs was a little bit on the flimsy side. I think they were probably guilty, but the evidence was flimsy, and I don't think it was beyond a reasonable doubt. But the evidence with Hillary Clinton is beyond a reasonable doubt. And she's selling uranium to Putin, who's threatened to nuke the United States over Syria on multiple occasions. That is treason. Treason. Now, we executed Ethel Rosenberg. Hillary Clinton doesn't even... I mean, when I wrote that article, Doug, it got no traction. It was one of the least read articles that I wrote during that time frame. I couldn't believe it. I'm thinking, how could people not care that the former Secretary of State, a former Senator, and a presidential candidate is selling weapon-grade uranium to the Russians to use against us. How is that not important? <laughs> my frustration overtakes my, my ability to speak. I, I just want to briefly interrupt you here. Folks watching on YouTube, uh, folks, we have the screen captures or... Frames of frame uh, by frame, yeah, yeah, frame by frame, 
ostensibly from the FBI. Allegedly, we don't we we can't guarantee the authenticity of this footage, but it does show uh, Robert Lavoy Finnicum at the moment of his death. And if it's if this is authenticated, and if this is authentic, it certainly does, David. It, it shows him uh, clearly in a hands-up position. And um, oh man, you know, you look at this and you think. Can this really happen in America? You know, I'm not calling for revolution, but I'm calling for revolution within the ranks. And here's what I mean by this. There are good men and women in the FBI. There's good men and women in government, in all services of government. You people need to make a decision. Some of you, you go to church on Sunday. You sit next to me in the pew. You know, you say the same prayers to the Lord that I say, and you mean them. You send your kids off to school to try to make them better people. Why would you serve such evil? Find something honorable to do with your lives. Please do not serve these evil masters. Yeah, we've been subjugated completely to the globalists. You know, there there is no more... Um, I, I don't think that we, we have a system of governance in this country anymore. We have a system of chaos and orchestrated chaos and, and lawlessness. And, um, wow, man. You know, you, I, look, I gotta give you a lot of credit for your research and for what you've done, um, in advance of this, well, with respect to this, uh, this whole situation. I, I mean, it's, thank you for, for your. I just, well, research. you know, I, I listen, I, I sincerely appreciate the kind words, but I am so saddened to my core over these issues. It, it, it just, it, it kind of bounces off of me because, it's so distressing where we're at. Um, our children and, and people's grandchildren, they have no future in this kind of system. This is, this is thuggery. We, we are run by a mafia. I mean, we have, we're supposed to have a system of justice. Instead, all we have is just us. Just us ruling go. over you, telling you what you'll do. And if you get in the way, we'll kill you, even when you're not armed. What's next? And this needs to become a rallying cry for people, but it, it won't yeah. be. This is a What's distressing thing, Doug. This is why I'm so discouraged tonight, because there are so many instances. You don't have to have Lavoie Finnicum's case. We have so many instances where our government doesn't serve our needs. They're contrary to our needs. You know, I ask people that support Barack Obama, I say, please tell me one thing he's done for you in the middle class. One thing. Just one. Yeah. And no one ever can. No one can ever tell me one positive thing he's done. These people are here to take away what we have. They, the government today is about wealth redistribution and squashing anyone who gets in the way of that. Well, there it is. I, I mean, do you see any any viable response from? The, the patriot community, from the constitutionalists, from the conservatives, from the people who who, who should be giving a damn. Do, do you see? Do you see anything happening, or are we just going to roll over and, and and allow our children to be subjugated to this globalist agenda? Well, we, we, you know, are you're not. I, I don't. I don't. I don't sense a lot of hopefulness in your voice tonight. No, there there's no reason for hope. There'll be two million of us that are incensed. And, and we have this righteous indignation over this event. 
most of the country mm-hmm. won't even know that it exists. I mean, they published the article in the Arizona Republic, and they didn't even put Lavoie's name. They didn't even have his name in the article. They Much less know. ever tell the story, the true story about what really happened. The the American people are just going to, you know, oh, those crazy people up there in Burns, Oregon, they got what they deserved. And then you just move no, on I, to I the next thing. I read that. Yeah. And that's what yeah. most of the country and, thinks. Yeah. And, and um, you, you know, we don't have time to get into it, I know, but Paul Martin called me and confirmed what I've already been told. Martial law is locked and cocked. His sources are telling him. My sources are telling me. They're waiting for the provocateur incident. Uh, the forces are ready to go. This is what Jade Helm was about. And I hate to say I told you so, but I wrote five months of articles saying, I told you so. This is what's coming, folks. Martial law. This is why they're moving the troops, why they're doing all these drills, why they have the foreigners training, training with us. We're on the precipice. Now, I don't know if we're going to see an uprising with ranchers, and that's going to be the precipitating incident, or it's going to be an economic collapse or an EMP attack. I don't know. But what I do know is an incident is coming, and I believe that incident is going to be sooner rather than later. The FEMA camps are open for business. Uh, there is an order for 30,000 guillotines. You can check out my article today, and they brought in all kinds of ISIS in the refugee resettlement program. And I quote directly from the Koran in the article where they talk about beheading foreign infidels, particularly Christians, people that don't believe in Muhammad as being the Jesus of their religion, and I believe that they'll be in the FEMA camps and they'll be carrying out executions with guillotines. Check out the article. It's pretty well documented. Ted Gunderson was saying this 12 years ago. Very interesting. And, and I did catch that on your website, folks, thecommonsenseshow.com. Uh, quite disturbing, actually. You know, but definitely needed. you need to read this. Uh, as a matter of fact, the uh, commonsenseshow.com, the title of the article, FEMA camps are open, uh, guillotines are in place, ISIS executioners await your arrival. And then, of course, uh, you also have the uh, uh, article about murder at um, all here. So, you know, it's you, you, again, your uh, research is, is, I just have to say, thanks for your research. And, you know, it, it just seems surreal to be talking about this, doesn't it? I mean, really... And people are not. It does. You know, you know, I'll share this thought with you, Doug. And I know how the, main, uh, the mainstream of the public would view what I've been writing, no matter how well documented. I remember when I first heard Alex Jones, and I was probably more aware than most people at that time. And I thought, Alex has a lot of good points, but, man, he goes off the deep end quickly. Now I look at him going off the deep end, and I'm right there with him, standing next to him. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, so I can understand and appreciate how people will say, Dave, I can go with you part way on this stuff, but, man, come on, guillotines and ISIS and FEMA camps? Come on, Dave, really. But Well, hey, you, you, you just sent a, just sent a uh, resolution, joint resolution, what was it, uh, 29, uh, martial law anywhere, anytime, fast track to martial Did law. Did you see Mitch at the McConnell, bottom of the article that I wrote? that a nurse wrote to me and said that they have a code, a medical code for death by guillotine, an ICD yeah. code. Yes, yes. And I've seen that before, too. Um, but uh, on your article, yes, I did. Uh, it was in the, it was, yes. And, and go figure, okay? And, and explain to people uh, ICD code, what that is. Well, okay, here in America we have medical billing codes, 
and then mental health we call them DSM, and then the insurance companies each have their own coding system for an illness. And internationally, they use an ICD system, and increasingly, managed care and Obamacare is using the ICD codes now to categorize various illnesses. And under this ICD code, it's called death by guillotine. This was sent to me by a nurse. ICD-9. After after she read my article on the guillotines, she went and researched it, and she came back. She goes, this is what I found. And since that time, I've gotten two more emails that have confirmed this. So it's actually a code that would be used for jails billing the federal government for services uh, right, uh, right. rendered. You know, oh my goodness. Okay, I see D nine. I'm chuckling here, but it's it's the irony of behind the chuckle. It's it's right. it doesn't exist. But we got federal work orders for guillotines. We're bringing in ISIS, and their religious code is behead everyone that you don't agree with. And the FEMA camps you know, are open for right. business. Hello, Paul Martin's people telling me that. My people are telling me this. The FEMA camps are good to go. They are ready. In closing, uh, Dave Hodges, I have to say, we, like Steve Quayle said, I'll just finish it with what, uh, what you write here. As Steve Quayle recently said on the Common Sense Show, we are no longer writing about what is coming. What is coming is already here. Dave, I just want to say thank you so much. I know you're... Um, I know you 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 appeared tonight at great sacrifice, great personal sacrifice. I want to thank you for it. Uh, well, I appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure to come on your show. You two guys are the best, and and uh, again, thank you for supporting Katie and her battle against cancer. And I'm going to have her GoFundMe up for fundraising uh, tonight, uh, about 10 p.m. Mountain Time. I'll have that up and running, and people can make a generous donation: two dollars, five dollars, ten doesn't matter. But help Katie fight cancer. I need her, and the Patriot Movement needs her. Amen, brother. We need to stick together. And our prayers are definitely with her. Thank you, Dave, for everything you do, and look forward to your show on Sunday. You have a good night. God bless you, my friend. Good night. This is Dave Hodges of the Common Sense Show. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, have a great night, everyone. Doug and Joe left the building. This is the Global Star Radio Network.